Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We got Utes, we got Cougars, we got Jazz. Everybody's getting ready for next season. No big games today, but the big games in the future being shaped by what's going on right now. We got the Cougars in camp, the Utes in camp, and the Jazz. Finally, with the media availabilities with Mike Conley, Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside, and Eric Pascal. It, it takes a little while for the NBA, says deals can be official and teams are allowed, even though the reporting's done and the reporting's good and the reporting's spot on. It's a while before the teams are allowed to send out the press releases and then hold the uh, media availabilities. So we're going to start with BYU this morning. The Cougars in camp. How are things going? They got a three-way quarterback battle Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. Here's Kalani on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How much do you and the coaching staff kind of know what the two deeps going to look like when you enter fall camp? And how much is there room for guys to, to jump up maybe surprise you? I kind of have an idea because the um, we had spring ball. The issue is uh, when you're putting in the new guys, guys that are coming in for the new time into the program, give them a, bear, a fair shot and then kind of, Looking at what you you know you start you start moving there's pieces that can be be moved around and there's guys that have to compete for their starting spots so that's kind of what it is I I like to think um, I told the team that you know we feel like we have more than 11 starters on each side of the ball and uh, if we can get 123 of them that'd be great but right now um, we're trying to get as many as possible and and seeing uh, what type of packages and personnel groups we can put together. Watching you watch your offense. Yeah, I feel good with, with the offense. I feel good with the progress that they're, make, that they're making their day to day. And obviously, um, you know, we're taking advantage of all the time we have on the field. But been pleased with the way the coaches are working with the players and the leadership that I'm seeing from the team. So uh, I think I think they're doing doing exactly what we, we expect them to do right now. You talked uh, so last year. Has had a relatively healthy season overall in terms of personnel, but previous to that, you had injuries in more most of the seasons you had to to that point. Do you feel like you need to point back to that in terms of you were saying with that, having more than eleven stars? Is, hey, you guys need to be ready in case we do lose X, Y, or Z. Yeah, and I think last year that we had those opportunities where we we had some games under control and had guys uh, giving guys the opportunity to be on the field in, in game reps, you know, so. Uh, that's a, the key is to try to get them all ready to play, and um, you obviously don't want any injuries to happen. And so, I think uh, we have to do our best as coaches and looking at the, you know, the pitch count for the quarterbacks, how many how, how, how many uh, plays they can actually uh, sling the ball, and trying to make sure that we're protecting them, but also making sure our guys are in the best shape of their lives and then the, that they're in the position where they can fatigue won't won't be a factor in their, their injuries. So. The game's physical enough where injuries can happen, but I think we've got to do our part to try to find ways to keep them healthy. But um, that you say that, and then you want to be aggressive and be practice tackling and things like that. But uh, you know, I think there's ways around it, and I think we have a really innovative coaching staff that can figure out ways to break down um, certain type of movements where we can uh, keep our players healthy. And, and when, but then when there's time to take advantage of the 100% reps, we'll do that. How much live work do you anticipate doing? Enough, yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know how many. Uh, there's there's enough guys out there that that have played enough plays that I don't know if they need to see a full game's worth of it. But th- there's going to be times where we're going to need to see guys go live, um, 
how much is all depends on on the experience of what we've seen so far in in the first part of camp. Even though you're still early in camp, <clears throat> do you feel on schedule in terms of how you like things to look right now? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I feel good with the install. There's been a lot of effort going into um, when to do things, how, how how to do our practices, the the type of intensity that we're going to have, the tempo. And so um, I feel really good about the connection that we have with our players and then also with our training room, with our with our um, weight room. So uh, I think we're in a, in a good spot right now. I mean, it's only practice number four today, so uh, we'll, just, we'll just take advantage of all of them before we get to that game in Vegas. How are Coach Funk and Coach Clinton fit now? Great. Yeah, those guys are, are uh, you know, they're, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. They've been in a lot of different places, have tons of experience. And the part I like the most is that I see the connection that they have with their players. They do a great job communicating to them the standard that they have, and uh, it's it's been been nice to see from the linebacking room and also from the O line. What are the best attributes of the three quarterbacks vying to be the starter? Win, score points, and win. That's that's what it is. I mean, I, I don't know if we need to break it down other than we have the best leader out there that can put us in a position to, to score as many points as we can. Um, and, and that's going to be the bottom line. You've got a lot of running backs on this roster. You, your top two coming back this year, you guys like Hinkley, Opati, you got Jackson McChesney coming back off injury. How do you feel like you're going to be able to balance reps, or will you balance reps those given the guys like Tyler? We'll see. I mean, uh, if, if our biggest problem with the running back room and other position groups is that how are we going to get enough reps for all of them, then that's a great problem to have. And so we'll... We'll figure it out. I, I know that they're all great teammates, and you watch them, the way they work together. They're competing for, for reps, obviously, and for carries and for game time, but uh, they're really close friends. Those guys all love each other, and, and they're following the leadership that you're seeing from Tyler and from Lopini. So um, it'd be nice to have that, that problem in every position group. Have there been any season-ending injuries in camp so far? No, not yet. So Hopefully we don't see it. Sorry. He's trying to jinx us, jinx us on that. Those other position group battles, what are you most looking at in terms of practices to determine who's winning these spots and getting these reps? Um, probably so much going into it rather than just I, – I don't know if I can explain it in, the, in a quick 30-second segment other than we want our guys to be as the best that we can. And I don't know uh, if if it's a certain you know checklist that we have other than we're going to play the best. And if they both happen to be really, really good, we'll find a role for both of them. Have you decided when your first scrimmage will be, or have you had it yet? Um, we'll do, probably do some. We can't do live stuff yet, but we'll probably look at some live stuff when you guys aren't able to watch it. So, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I think we'd like to see some live work um, probably towards the end of this week. What's been the response to the new locker room? I know, like, for you as coaches as well as the players, I know it's new, but what's the response been? I just like that they can charge their phones um, while uh, their lockers are closed and secure. That's about it. I, I'm sick of seeing extension cords and stuff like that out there. So uh, that's it's a simple it's a simple fix for me. I, I, I mean, I, it, I, the guys appreciate um, everything that went into getting them that locker room, uh, and then I, I just like seeing them happy. But. You know, it's 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 a locker room. It'd be just fine. It, it, it's the oh, well. The other part I like is that the smell. They have this this uh, this system in it that can take the smell out of the locker room. So yeah, maybe I am really happy about that. Thing, so. <laughs>
if we could figure that out for the smoke outside so we can go practice outside, that'd be nice. So we could get, just start, I don't know, let's pray for a windstorm to take all the smoke out. Yes. Jerry Cabisi is one of those guys that came back from an additional year. What, what can he and the others like him add to the team with that experience? Yeah, he, I mean, he's been around. He's been in the program for a long time. So him and Lopar are the two that come to mind that, that are, um, that are you know, that can help us with our culture, especially, especially teaching the younger guys. Um, I think we've recruited and, and brought in some really good kids that fit fit our system really well. But it's just having more of those guys that can kind of echo what the coaches and what the, the leaders are saying. Uh, that's, a, that's a big factor. And having those guys back is, is huge, especially when everyone else is returning. A lot of their guys, it's good to have some of those guys that have been through it and been through a lot of football and a lot of games with us here at BYU. When you're choosing a starting quarterback, how much does kind of leadership off the field, kind of uh, a guy that can rally the troops, how, how much does that play into your decision? Well, all three of those guys can do that. So okay. I don't I don't know if one's better than the other. I'm, just, I'm glad that, that uh, we have this problem with, three guys that can play and then and I'm seeing some really good things from the other guys as well so um, yeah I, I mean right now because all three of those guys handle that stuff really well it's it's what I want to see on the field and what I want to see in the in the, um, in the meeting rooms and and seeing how they kind of connect with with a rod that's going to be that's going to be the the key that separates one from the other you see Preston Hadley that make you feel I don't know if comfortable is the right word but feel good or interested in, in having him coach a different position group on the defense? Yeah, because he's willing to learn. Uh, I've, our our culture is about love and learn, and he's he's a good example of that. And he loves the players. Um, he's willing to learn. It's, it's it's nice to have someone that knows your system in the, in the back end that you can... And we do a lot of stuff with our ends as far as um, dropping coverage and, and, and a lot of different packages that we bring in. So um, having someone that has that knowledge of being in the back end and, and knowing what the coverage is uh, it, it allows the players a little bit more opportunity to learn more about the game. And so that's the key. I think sometimes the D-line may get focused on what they only do and don't understand what happens in the, in the back end. And Preston brings that, and he's got a lot of knowledge and, and a lot of experience in, in his playing and coaching, ta- coaching days. So, so I, think, I think giving him a, a clean slate and learning a, a different position, two things allows um, E to just teach him what he wants and then it allows us to have a, a different mind, a different perspective being in the room. Kalani, in your experience, have you ever been in a camp where a player who was maybe a little lower down the depth chart is so good in camp that he actually maybe takes a spot that maybe people didn't think he would? Yeah, I mean, I, that that happens, you know. Um, I, I see a lot of those examples of that. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that um, you can see, uh, whether it's um, opportunities because of injury or, or – because they start to really, the, the the light goes on for them and they just figure it out and the game becomes a lot easier for them. Um, we're trying to have those moments for all those guys and then we'll see. But I, I have to be open and our coaches have to be open to the fact that anybody can earn the spot and make a lot of improvement in the time that we've given them and now it's this, this month going into the game. There's Kalani Sataki. Cougars are going to jump right into it. Countdown is on. The Arizona Wildcats, which... You know, it's easy to say, Power 5 team, but you have to say, Boise State's been better than Arizona for a while now. For most of the last 20 years, Boise State's been better than Arizona. There have been a few years where Arizona's been pretty good, and 
maybe they've been the better team. But the whole Power 5, Group of 5 designation drives me nuts. And what really matters for BYU is right now, you know. Well, I guess it's also mattered when BYU has beaten them the last couple of times they played. Kalani's gotten some wins over the Wildcats. But what matters is right now, and this BYU team, this BYU team looks like they are set up to beat Arizona, start the season with a win, and then get ready for the Utes. We are getting ready for the Utes. PK and I went up and spoke with the Utes yesterday at their media availability, and we will have them for you next. You'll hear from head coach Kyle Woodingham and the new wide receiver coach Chad Bumpus. That's on the way right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from the Utes. We just heard from the Cougars. Now, Kyle Whittingham and Chad Bumpus. We're going to start with Chad. He is the wide receiver coach. And it's really interesting here because we think the Utes have a couple of good quarterbacks. And we think they have really good tight ends. And we actually have some clarity on that because we've seen these guys play in their back. The question is, do they have wide receivers who can get separation and make plays? And yes, I want the deep ball, you want the deep ball, but I think there's a lot to be said for whether these receivers can be effective in 15 yards, that medium-range pass, give or take a few, the 10 to 20-yard range, can they make those plays? Because a lot of teams make catches in that range, and then the receivers make the big play. They take off and run for another 10, 20, whatever, score a touchdown. Take it to the house. Can the receivers do that? We've seen a little more of it the last couple of years, but are we going to see a steady dose of it? Chad Bumpus with the media on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. A lot of experience in this wide receiver core. How has that played to their benefit here in the fall camp? Uh, it's been good so far. Um, older guys helping the new guys get adjusted. So it's been good. A lot of competitions, creating a lot of competition. Guys are stepping up, um, and we're seeing what we thought we would. So it's been good early on. How is uh, Jalen Dixon reacclimating to to the offense and his teammates and everything? Yeah, J.D.'s good. Uh, J.D. enjoy when J.D. enjoys having fun, when J.D. enjoys being but when he's having fun, he's almost unguardable. Um, so the biggest thing with him is just keeping him in the moment, making sure he's enjoying it, um, and then the sky's the limit for him. So just keep working. Obviously got a lot of guys in the wide receiver room, but a lot of them are new faces or returning from a, a year off like Jalen Dixon. Where do you see, obviously it's still early, where do you see the, the ball getting divvied around, and, and how do you see the, uh, the touches uh, kind of breaking up. I know it's still early. Yeah, it's a little early. Um, everybody's stepping up right now. It's really hard, kind of hard to say who's separating themselves. Um, but the guys we expected to come in and make plays have been have been doing so. Um, the solos, the valets, the guys that I had in the spring with me, um, picking right up where we left off. We had a good spring, and then they came in early on. Really good summer. So it's it's right where we thought they would be. Um, but it's really kind of hard to say who's separating just because there's so many guys making plays right now. How's it been for you? 
uh, a new wide receiver coach coming into a wide receiver room that has guys like Britton Covey and oh, I Solo love kind I of love established? It. Absolutely love it. Uh, had some of those guys when I was here the first time in 18, so kind of got to uh, already know them. Um, but having that experience in, um, again, for me in the spring, I was learning on the fly. So I'm coaching effort, technique, and they're helping me with the plays. You know what I mean? So now that I'm up to speed with the plays and everything, um, it's really good to have those guys just for the new guys to see how we do things, how we work. Um, so it's been great. It's been awesome. As a group, um, where where are you seeing the biggest improvements from when you showed up to now? Um, biggest thing is just playmaking, uh, confidence, uh, top of routes. I mean, they're just getting in and out. They're having fun. Um, and then it's carrying over, right? It's a competitive group. So uh, I tell them all the time, playmaking is contagious. You see one guy make a play, and all of a sudden there's three or four in a row. So they're feeding off of each other's energy, and it's been really, really good, really fun to watch. How often do your best go against the defense's best? Because obviously – the Utah secondary's got some real talent in it. Yeah, we try to. Uh, I try to match up with the, our, our guys with the starters. Um, the way we're doing it right now. So pretty much every rep we get, uh, I try to match good on good. So and again, don't want to sound like there's not good, but we try to get the starters to go against each other um, as as often as we can. Because again, season's rolling around the corner. We got to get those guys ready to play. How many guys do you anticipate playing in the game? Um, it's hard to say right now. I see. I see about. Five six guys right now that I really believe we can win with um, early on practice five. Hopefully we grow that number more, but practice five, I see about six guys that I feel comfortable rolling out with the first group right now. You brought in two transfers, Theo Howard and Maneer McClain. What do they bring to the table? Um, Theo, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. A smart football player. Understanding leverage. Understands uh, defenses. Understands what they're designed to stop. So he's able to play uh, to the defender's leverage. Um, So him being in that room, just that experience. Um, Munir is a big body who can go up and get the football. Um, Just getting them up to speed on the plays. So they bring different things, but it's really good to have them in the room. They've been awesome. How's the chemistry with quarterbacks? Uh, Really good. Difference between the Yeah, it's really good, and that's a credit to them because they worked their butt off this offseason. This summer they did a lot of throwing, so we came into camp and timing was was down. Obviously we'll fine-tune some things, but um, that's a credit to those guys. They worked their tail off this offseason, and it's showing off early on. If there's been a criticism for this group, it's that Utah doesn't have someone who can take the top off a defense. Do you have that guy in your room right now? I think we do. I think we do. Um, and, and, again, a lot of that's route running. Um, it's it's playing, playing receiver is all about deception. You want to get the DB to believe you're going where you're not. And if you're a great route runner, you can create separation, whether it's vertically or horizontally. And we got some really good route runs. we got guys who can create separation. So I'm excited about it. I look forward to the challenge. I like it. Are you asked your opinion on the QBs, given you, you know that you are the wide receivers coach and you are seeing it from a certain vantage point? Um, <laughs> I think I, I I would hate to be the the quarterback coach. I think that's a, that's going to be a good competition. I think we got some guys who can really get it done, um, smart guys who put us in the right plays at the line of scrimmage. So we're in the right we're headed in the right direction. We just got to keep working. Do your playmakers also block? Because we know that absolutely, you absolutely, block. you won't get on the field unless you can block. We work some type of blocking drill every single day. Um, that's just part of being a complete receiver. You don't want to be a selfish guy. You want to be a complete receiver who can do everything across the board. Um, and so we're we're going to be blockers. We'll be They're all bought block. in on that. I absolutely, think. for sure. Yes, sir. You know, Coach Witt, you know they'll be able to block. <laughs> Man, last last thing for me, Connor O'Toole is coming back from injury. How's he looking out there? Like a linebacker. 
He, I mean, he looks really, really good, and that's a credit to him. While he was injured, he worked out a lot. Um, he's a big, fast, physical guy. Um, looks unbelievable. Um, just working him back into it slowly. He, I think he'll be a guy that can help us. Um, he looks really good. He looks really good. There's Chad Bumpus, the wide receiver coach. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. How's uh, Brent Keithy look since he can base? He's back to where he was before. Keithy, you know, yeah. yeah, he's making plays, and the tight end group is is really uh, productive for us between Brant, Dalton Kincaid, Cole Fotheringham's doing a great job, and Thomas Yasmin's really made a move. He's uh, really showing up. He's, the light switch has gone on for Thomas. Kyle, you've talked about having to be better at throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, there will be some turnovers, and there's always a cutaway on TV of you grinding your teeth after a turnover. And I'm just wondering how much of that you can tolerate, you know, kind of risk versus reward. Well, we've still got to take care of the football, and, and uh, we still got to win the turnover battle each game. That's not going to change. But, uh, you know, when you do throw the ball, the ball's in nobody's hands, and it's up for grabs. It's not like when you're running it and you got it secured. There should never be an issue with that, although there's going to be at, at times, realistically. But, but uh, to say just because we're going to, you know, emphasize throwing the ball more, we're going to be uh, able to tolerate a bunch more turno- turnovers. No, that's not the case. We got to take care of it, make good decisions. But, but uh, you know, it's all about efficiency in the throw game. And and I look for us to be if we can be 150 plus. There's a, there's an equation and a formula that the NC2A uses for uh, pass efficiency. And if we can hit that 150 plus mark, then then we're in good shape. That takes into account everything: picks, touchdown passes, yards per attempt, completion percentage, the whole uh, you know the whole gamut of, of statistics. I was uh, Tavian Thomas coming along here in five days. Very good, yeah. very good. He's still a little out of shape. He was 240 the last time we talked. He's about 231 right now, 230-ish, and so he's uh, getting where he needs to be. He's still five pounds away or so but but his stamina is increasing his knowledge of the scheme is is increasing he's taken you know in his own in his downtime he's uh, taking time to watch film and study the playbook so he's coming along just fine what was it about the running back room that maybe compelled you to take a closer look at him in may just trying to get the best football players we can in here that fit the system and fit what we're doing and fit who we are and uh he was i don't know if you've seen his jc tape but it's really good and uh, he just adds to an already a uh, really talented room. So you can never have too many good players at any position. How much can Rising's knowledge with Andy Ludwig help him in this quarterback race? Well, it should help him a bunch, but Charlie Brewer has really, ever since he set foot on campus, has been studying nonstop. And so I would assume that that gap is closed. It appears to be closed and, and almost even as far as command of the offense. What's you know, running backs, how's T, what's TJ Pledger bring to this room? He brings uh, toughness, quickness. Uh, he's a competitive kid. And uh, he goes every, he's got a great motor. He goes hard every snap. And the four guys that are vying for, for carries are TJ and uh, Tavion, like we talked about, Makai Bernard and Chris Curry. Those are the guys getting all the reps. Do they all provide big play possibilities? You always talk about explosive plays. Can you get them out of any of them or just some guys? Some are more explosive than others, but uh, each one of them is capable of, of uh, explosive plays. I would say probably TJ and Makai are the, the guys right now that are, that are showing the most explosiveness, but Chris Curry is more of a hammer inside, and, and Tavion's still trying to, like I said, get himself where he needs to be physically, and, and he has big play capability, I believe. You look at the JC tape, he certainly did, so that's what we expect out of him. What are you doing differently in week two? Do you up the intensity, up the tempo, installing new stuff? Or uh, the install is, is on schedule. We have a master sheet that we follow that is put together you know, months ago that what we want to accomplish in fall camp, what we want to have in. And we're probably uh, about 60% through the way through that. And that's just a ballpark guess. Um, 
but uh, you know, as we, uh, the majority of the practices from now on are going to be in pads. The first three were in no, no pads, which, which you can get some stuff done, but it's not. Uh, you're not able to do everything you want to do. But, but for five practices down, with 20 to go before we got to line up and play, we feel pretty good about where we are right now. You have a running backs, obviously, with that competition. Could you rank what you consider most important? And what I mean by that is, you know, they've got to know pass protection. They've got to maybe receive out of the backfield, hold on to the ball, break tackles all that stuff. What do you view as most important? Well, it's all important, but if you had to rank it, taking care of the football is number one. Uh, Being able to run the football, all great backs have the same thing in common. When there's nothing there, they make three yards. And that's what you look for. You got to have a guy that, when nothing's blocked up, and you got to you got to make something out of nothing, and uh, that that's critical that they uh, they're able to do that. Pass pro and catching the ball out of the backfield, you know, those are obviously important as well. Pass pro is probably uh, ranked ahead of catching the ball out of the backfield. Catching the ball out of the backfield is a bonus if you can do it, and you you can do it well at a high level. That just opens up uh, more possibilities for your offensive coordinator. What do you want from Jalen Dixon this year? Speed up the field. Speed up the field, consistency. and not only speed up the field, but he's, he's a good receiver overall. He just doesn't run nine routes exclusively. Uh, he's really good on the crossing routes. And, uh, you know, he's been in the program a long time now. He knows what the expectations are. And so far through camp, knock on wood, he's been very good. Very good. Was there more of a, a reacclimation process for Jalen just because he didn't really play last year, hasn't been hit as much as other guys? Was that you know, kind of difficult to get him back on board? Not really. He's, uh, like I said, he's a proven commodity in our program. He's uh, he's taking a lot of reps for us, and so he's he's shaking the rust off, and he's back to where he was uh, before he had his departure. This fly is biting my legs. Let me go. <laughs> me too. Okay. Are we done? Okay. I got one. Okay. You talked about the depth at the offensive line. If you had to line up tomorrow, do you know which five would be playing for you? Nope, not right now because we've got a top eight or nine that have really come to the forefront, and those eight or nine are not sorted out yet. Should know that. I'm going to tell you by next Monday. There's Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham and Chad Bumpus, the receivers coach before him. When we come back, the new Jazz guys, Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. We'll hear from them next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to hear from the newest jazz players, four of them meeting with the media yesterday. We're going to start with Hassan Whiteside. Man, at the at the at the peak of his powers, wow, he could impact a game. Fly around, block shots, rebound. He could really get it done. Now, that was not a good year last year in Sacramento. Is he ready for a bounce back here in Utah? Here's Hassan Whiteside with the media. I think one of the first things that people thought about when the Jazz signed you was the kind of the back and forth that you and Rudy have had over the years. Uh, There's been a little bit of trash talk there. And I'm wondering kind of where you land on that. I mean, I guess it's inevitable that you're going to end up on teams with guys that you kind of talk smack with at some point in the NBA. Yeah. So where do you land on that? I mean, is it something that, you know, is eats at you and you guys really have a rivalry going or is that kind of just all in the past? Um, no, it's no robbery or anything. You know, we're just competing, you know, at the end of the day, um, that's, 
I'm always happy to see a big man succeed in this league, you know, especially um, somebody that blocks shots the same as I do, you know, and um, it's just, it's just, it never been any robbery, but it's just been always us competing against each other. And, you know, we're going to talk. All right, Tony Jones, The Athletic, next. Hassan, you've been on a lot of teams, but, you know, from, you know, where I sit, this is probably the the one team that, that you've been on that had a ch- has a chance to to go deep into the playoffs. What can you, um, in your mind, what, what can you contribute uh, to this p- specific group? Uh, what were your talks with the Jazz in terms of what your role will be uh, for, for this specific group? And, and, you know, just what are your thoughts on, on coming to Utah overall? Um, you know, I'm just excited. You know, um, like you said, this is a this is a great opportunity. You know, I really wanted to go to like a contending team. You know, and I talked to Quinn Snyder and um, Coach Q, and he was just saying like he don't think any other team got 48 minutes of rim protection. I think I'm just um, this is one of the better defensive teams I've been a part of, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of that. You know, um, the way they spaced the floor before I went in. And just the way that they dominate on, on the defensive end, you know, I've seen it. I've always been a, a fan of coach, of coach, and just just different ways that he always stayed true to his style of play. He never tried to go small. He never tried to waver from what he what he what he does, you know. And um, he always made it work. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, where do you think you have the, the biggest chance to impact the team defensively? Is it, is it on the defensive end or is it the offensive end in the minutes that you, uh, you expect to get? I think both ends, you know, both ends, you know. Um, he, said, he said I won't get as many post catches as I, as I probably did in the past, but I think I don't really need that. You know, it's the way these guys play, um, they're so spaced out. Um, I, think, I think these are going to be the best, the most freest roles I'm going to have in a long time. You know, and uh, you know the Jazz is always top five in assists, regardless of whatever year it is. It is so. Um, just that in itself is just gonna. It's just gonna be a great winning environment, you know. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I really wanted a free agency this year, regardless of the money. I just wanted to go somewhere where we gonna win. You know, I'm, I don't want to be at home watching the playoffs. You know, like I have the last two years. You know, I wanted to go to a team that's oh, that's ready to win now. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Hassan, what have the last couple of years been like? Because you were starting and playing so well in Portland, and then you fell out of the rotation in Sacramento and what was just kind of a clunky fit. What do you think about now being here in Utah and what <laughs> these know. last two years have been like? I think, it's a, I think it's a great fit for me. You know, I think it's a great fit. You know, like I said, um, with Gobert being out there and um, with, with me being out there coming in, I think it's a great fit. I think um, they can they can keep that that paint presence out there, you know, uh, throughout the whole game. And um, I think the guys are used to playing with a with a with a shot blocking big that that, that rolls and dunks, you know. And um, I think I think they already they already know that that style, you know. And um, I think it's a great fit for me. You know, I'm really excited. I haven't been in society in a long time. So, you know, like I said, they were, they, they're definitely a contender. You don't accidentally win 50-plus games in this league. Nayo Campbell, utahjazz.com. 
Hey, so welcome to Utah. Um, we've already seen you working out with Royce. And so I want to know, did he give yeah. you any tips on the city and the team itself? Uh, not yet. Not yet. We were just working out, man. We was just shooting. We, we didn't have a, a long conversation. He was just um, talking about how excited he was, uh, how, how good of a fit he think it is. And um, I told him, I told him the same for me. I know Mike, I know um, Rudy Gay. So I'm um, them two guys that I knew in the past. And I know what they bring to the table. And, you know, um, I play, I played against Utah a lot. So I just know how the crowd is. And, and I, I just, I'm just very excited about this, you know. David Locke, Utah Jazz Radio. Hassan, Portland seemed to be a really good year for you. Um, yeah. What, why, what was it about Portland that was such a good fit? Um, I think I think because I had a great relationship with Dame, you know, and um, I was playing I was playing like thirty minutes a game, you know. I haven't played that many minutes in a while, so um, I always been a guy that's gonna produce when I when I'm playing. The longer I'm out there, and um, it was I thought it was a great. Oh, I, they wanted me to sign. I could have re-signed back there, but um, you know, I wanted to come to the Jazz and get a chance at at this something new. And then offensive rebounding has always been a strength. I know the Jazz last year put a huge emphasis on offensive rebounding. Did they talk to you about that as something that was important and part of who they are? Yeah, you know, um, like I said, they play they they play basketball. You know, I think I think in the era of the Warriors, people was trying to push size out the game. And I mean, you look at the last two defending champions; they 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 got length. You know, um, with Milwaukee. Um, with Giannis, he's seven feet, and with Brooke Lopez down there, he's seven feet. With um, the Lakers, like we even played against them in a bubble, and the one thing that they did was they was just so big, they just kind of like uh, made it problem problematic for us. So I think with the size that Utah have, we can be a really great uh, rebounding team, you know. Um, and, and I think I'm just adding more depth to that. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Hassan, did, did uh, Dwayne Wade play any role in you coming back to Utah or kind of that relationship play yeah, any part in this or kind of what are your thoughts on him being a, a co-owner of the team? Um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited. He was one of the first people to reach out to me when I signed. You know, um, my relationship with D. Wade is I, I look at him as family. You know, um, I don't talk to him as much as I should. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely it – definitely, played a role in, into it, you know, and I, and I always been on the outside looking in of just how every year you guys are just, just right there, you know, and, um, and it's just always a top five team, you know, where everybody know you play Utah, you got to, what, what's, what they going to bring, you know, they're going to be a great sharing, sharing the ball. They're going to really play hard defense. So um, I think that's what I, I really want to be a part of that too. And um, definitely D-Wade being here is um, definitely a plus, you know. There is Hassan Whiteside. Now it's time to listen to another new jazz man, Rudy Gay. I'm wondering, after all these years, did you did you think that you were going to reunite with Mike Conley on this <laughs> game again? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I, um, you know, what's funny is me and Mike always text and, and talk. We've, we've been talking ever since – since I, I left the Grizzlies, but, you know, he's he's always been the guy that, you know, I've talked to about, you know, whether it's injuries or situations or anything. I've always talked to him, kept in contact with him. And it's funny now, 
that we're teammates again. But, you know, he's he's always been uh, the constant guy. He's a great guy. And, and you know, I'm happy I'm back with him. Did you get a chance to talk to him? Yeah, I, I've actually um, I've actually flew here with him. So, you know, and, and talked to him to him about Salt Lake City and where to live and all that stuff. He's been my tour guide. All right, Tony Jones, the athletic up next. Uh, Rudy, is this sort of a full circle moment um, for you? Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, what are, is the, the, the motivation for you? And I know this is an obvious question, but what's the motivation for you in, you know, in search of, of potentially winning a championship? I mean, it's, it's, it's my legacy and, and, and be a part of something. You know, um, what, like, what do you do this for? What what makes you go? And, um, you know, after, you know, this is my, after 15 years, you know, this is obviously what I'm in Salt Lake City to win a championship. And that's, that's it. Uh, Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy, good to meet you. Um, you've, you've been successful on kind of adapting your game to fit teams' needs. How have you been, a go, how do you kind of go about doing that when you get to a new team? Um, it's just, it just comes with being, um, just being a spectator and knowing what the team needs and, and being a, a, a fan of the game. Like, uh, when you watch a team, you know how the team plays and you know what they need. So, you know, when I, when I come to a team, I just try to be that. That's it. Nayo Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Hey, Rudy. Um, so what excites you most, most after, you know, 15 years of being in the league? This is still a fresh start. What excites you most about coming to Utah? Um, just competition and being a part of uh, winning a winning uh, mentality. You know that's great for me. Um, that's I mean that's that's refreshing to me. Just being a part of something and and, and adding yourself to a winning culture and um, you know showing the team what you got. I mean it's good to it's always different to play against a team. But once they see you, you know they, you always add something different and, and you know try to try to be a different player than what they expect. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Like just talking about that, you know, kind of what the team needs last year, kind of the perimeter defense against the Clippers. That kind of was the the concern. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can contribute there? Do you think you can be a difference maker? I mean, for sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a basketball player. You put me on the court. I'm going to make I'm going to make do I'm gonna make way. Um, you know, and, um, you know, like you said, perimeter defense is something that, you know, that needed to be worked on. And I'm a guy that you got to keep on the court. I believe. So, um, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Hey, Rudy, you haven't spent a lot of time ever in your career in major markets. How did that change your perspective on signing in Utah? Uh, you know, was it more comfortable because you've just, you've never played in the highest profile cities? Um, to be honest with you, I, when, when I'm making my decision, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the competitiveness, I'm thinking about the team, I'm thinking about you know, the culture, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, big cities, yeah, they're great. But, you know, when it comes down to winning, it's, you know, that's, that's really not not too much what I'm thinking about, you know. If I want to go to a big city or something like that, I just go to an off season. <laughs> All right, we have Jim Conlon, RCB Radio Sport in Ireland. Hi, Rudy. Uh, Rudy, I was just sort of wondering, you said you were coming to Utah to win a championship. Do you almost feel disappointed about your four seasons in San Antonio when you joined them? They had LaMarcus, uh, DeMario Rosen, and it seemed to go from four years, San Antonio's decline seemed to be fairly rapid. Do you feel now you're coming to an organization 
uh, with Utah now that has this real serious contender once again? Well, I mean, um, I wouldn't take anything away from my time in San Antonio. I learned a lot. Um, yeah, I played. I played uh, with some with some really good players, and 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 uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't say I, I I'm mad about my time there. I just learned a lot, you know. And it takes a lot to be winning, cult and be a, a championship team. And I think I realized that while I was there. Cheers, Rudy. Uh, we have Tony Jones, the athletic follow-up. Uh, Rudy, one of the things that that I've heard is that, you know, the Jazz beat out, um, you know, a couple of really good teams um, for, for you know, you, your commitment. And, you know, not only that, that, you know, it took it took a minute for, for you to figure out, to, to kind of decide, uh, you know, where you wanted to go. What was the you know, if that's accurate, what was the tipping point for you to be like, hey, you know, I, I really want to come to Utah? Um, one, it's just the culture. Um, ownership group is great. Coach Quinn is great. Um, they really sold me on it. But even more than that is, yeah, I, I was, I was, you know, a lot of really, really good teams were, were coming after me and wanted me to be there. But I think this team was the team that – had the most need for what I can do. And um, when you're looking for a team or, or, or looking for a place to, to play, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I just want to be, you know, be a resource that, 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 that teams can use. And, 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 you know, I feel like I can be the greatest asset here. Right. Sarah Todd does read news. Okay. Rudy, you said that, you know, Utah was a team that needed you. You also mentioned, like, as a spectator of the game, you're able to see where you can adapt to fit into a team. So in that vein, if you're assessing Utah, what are their needs and how is it that you'll fill that role? What are their needs? Um, you know, I think at, at this point in, in, in the game and how it's changed, you need guys that can play multiple positions. Um. And I feel like I've, I've changed my game to be that. Um, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a bigger guy that can play a guard multiple positions. That's what it's about, you know, nowadays in the playoffs. Not, no disrespect to anybody that was on the team before because, you know, obviously they're my teammates and I love them and the team hasn't changed much. But just have a guy that can be, you know, go and play the multiple positions, I think is, is very, very valuable at this point. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune follow-up. Rudy, what was the thing you got most out of the four years in San Antonio with Greg Popovich? Um, you know, just a different way of playing. I mean, I, I, up to then, I, I for for the most part had been a starter and and received most of the minutes. Just learning a different role. Um, I came off the bench there for for the majority of the time, and I learned how to complement different players. So. Um, you know, I think that's that's very valuable going into this situation. And then with your first, you know, first conversations with Quinn Snyder, what have those been like and what have your initial impressions of him been like? Um, you know, he's a he's a he's a basketball junkie. So am I. So we relate there. So, you know, um, that's really all I can say. Like he's you know, he he's a student of the game. And I feel like I am also even at this, this point in my career, I like to learn. 
And, um, you know, it'll be good to be around guys like him. David Locke, Jazz Radio. Rudy, I think at least according to data, you played about eight or nine percent of your time as a center last year, which is quite a change from a guy who spent some time at shooting guard when you were first in the league yeah. in Sacramento. Right. How much yeah. do you feel you can play? How many minutes do you think you can handle at the five? And, you know, I mean, I I mean, I heard Larry Nance say this year, like, hey, I'm good there for about like 15 minutes. But after that, like I'm done. <laughs> How much can you actually handle playing that role? Um, what's a fair expectation there? I mean, I, I don't know. It depends on um, what the what the game asks for. Um, the game has changed, so I can't tell you I, I'm, I'm comfortable here, here, or there. But you know, I, I'm for whatever the game needs. Yeah, I can play the center. I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm this guy. I play this position, but you know, I'm just a basketball player. I do whatever is needed for the game. Thank you. All right, we have time for one more question. It will be Sarah Todd Deseret News. Rudy, you talked about that transition going from being a starter usually to more of a role player. Was that, was that a tough one for you to make? Um, physically, no. Mentally, it was. You know, you have to change your game. You have to change um, the way you approach the game. Um, as, I mean, that's basically it. You know, um, to, to go from receiving most of the minutes and most of, you know, having the ball in your hands to being a complimentary player. Um, it taught me a lot. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that I think a lot of young players need to need to learn. And, and you know, and, and you know, it, it's definitely you kind of kind of grew me to be in a situation I am right now. There's Rudy Gay. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. We've made improvements each year. I think we've gotten better each year. Last year was, you know, a disappointing end to it, but all the strides we've made along the way allow us to come into this season still chasing that that championship, that, that ultimate goal, and, and something that is truly attainable, something that we can we can we can grasp. We're right there. We're knocking on the door. Mike Conley on the Jazz potential going forward. Series of press conference, media availabilities yesterday. Mike Conley on why he returned, Hassan Whiteside and Rudy Gay on why they showed up, how they fit in. Pascal also coming in with the trade. It's a PK. Yeah. You listen to all of that. You're intrigued for something that gave Jazz fans hope. This is our year, man. I don't care what you say. I could care less what you say. This is our year. I could care less what you say. Go ahead and say it, because I'm not even going to care. I could care less. You couldn't care less, you mean? No, I mean, I could care less. I won't, but I could. (laughs) (laughs) Saving that one up. The classics never grow old. Utah Jazz Summer League wins in Las Vegas. They beat the Suns 63-57. Jarrell Brantley, Trent Forrest pacing the Jazz with 10 points each. They're back in action tomorrow and they take on the Dallas Mavericks. First team to 20, man. I felt like it was a pickup game at the park. <laughs> they were struggling. I watched Summer League ball out to Ying Yang last night. 
And how does your yin yang finish feel after all of that? Well, I appreciated watching Suggs. I love him. I am on his bandwagon big time. He played uh, before that game went into overtime. Man, talk about gripping. Seeing that ball game, he's a really good player, man. He can fill up the box score. He didn't have an especially great shooting night. I think he was 9 of 22, but I was watching him versus Cunningham. I just think that kid's going to be great. And then I watched the Jazz game. and That was a boot game, man. It is just virtually nothing more than happenstance if the free throws go in. <laughs> that form, oh, man, it's painful. It's like he puts it right at his face and then flicks it. It's not even above his head and a follow-through with the wrists or any of that stuff. I can't believe an NBA player would shoot a free throw like that. And yet, there it is. There's just no way you could play him at the end of the games. I don't know. I mean, he's a long way from being in that position anyway. But that's yeah, it's atrocious. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks have agreed that he should get a Supermax rookie extension. $207 million. He's 22 years old. He's the first player eligible for the designated rookie max extension upon signing because he's twice been voted first team All-NBA. And you can get a little extra cash for that. So he's got it. I wonder what the cost of living is in Slovenia. You know, what can that buy? Everything. Do they have beautiful coastal views? Where is Slovenia? It's on the coast down there in Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe? Because I'm a Western Europe guy. Everybody knows that. So I've never been to Eastern Europe. I was going to say, how many times you've been to Europe overall? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> but his first trip will be to Western Europe. There you go. It's one of the privileges of being a janitor's son. <laughs> Never having to worry about trips. going to Europe, <laughs> Canada, any of these places. I never went out of the country with my parents, come to think of it. So, yeah, well, I mean, it was obvious. He was a heck of a player. I mean, 22 years old. You're going to make all league is probably 10 times, 15 times, 12 times. Will he be the next foreign guy to win MVP? Giannis Antetokounmpo got two, and now we see Nikola Jokic get one. It's three in a row for foreign players. Seems like Luka can pull that off at some point in his career. Sure. Carmelo Anthony telling reporters in his introductory press conference with the Lakers that teaming up with LeBron James was because LeBron just came to me one time and said, yo, the time is now. I want you. we got to make this happen. And I just felt like for right now, this is the best time. He'll score some points. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Giants running back Saquon Barkley returned to practice Monday for the first time since tearing the ACL in his right knee early last season and expressed optimism afterwards that he could be ready for week one. I guess you can say with my mindset, I'm definitely hopeful, Barkley said. It's definitely better being able to practice now than later on in camp. Giants season kicks off September 12th. He's got a little more than a month to get ready. 32 days. Full year from the uh, ACL. I'd expect him back. It seems like they've been shortening those things up. Obviously, his ACL is going to take a huge pounding. He's a big guy. A lot of force when he's cutting and trying to explode and run over people. I wish him well. 
Patriots tight end Hunter Henry will miss a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury suffered over the weekend in training camp. The injury is not serious, according to reports. A couple of weeks now, with 32 days to go, not a big deal. 17-game season, time to recover. How many games can people flush away at the start of the season and not worry about it? Because it's a long season. You're going to pump the 17-game season endlessly, aren't you? You've mentioned it multiple times. It's a 17-game season. What's going to happen is they're going to rest guys. So they're not going to play 17 games. Hence the question, how many can he miss? And it doesn't matter, because I think you're absolutely right. No more than they could before. It depends on the team and the race. Some, I mean, waste, is that what you're saying? Waste games? Sit them out. Give the old Kawhi Leonard treatment. I think it's how many can they lose. I don't want to be wasting any games. I mean, we've seen teams with seven and nine records, but it's relative to your division, too, so... It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, in the NFC East last year, you could really struggle and be fine. The NFC West, not so much. It happens from time to time. Tom Brady's NFT collection will go live tomorrow, giving fans an opportunity to acquire the first of Brady's autograph collection on the DraftKings Marketplace. Preseason pass collection will feature Brady, Wayne Gretzky, Tony Hawk, Naomi Osaka, Derek Jeter, and Tiger Woods. What the heck is an NFT? A non-fungible token. What the heck is fungible? <laughs> I knew that was coming. They give it a, like uh, it's the best way to a digital that sounds, a, a digital trading card trading card a digital collectible. Well, can we speak English? You're, here? A ba- you're a baseball card guy, PK. Obviously, this is the digital versions of those. You can own okay. Them. Well, then say that. Don't give me some stupid initial and fungible. That's what it's called. Big deal. You can call it whatever you want, but it still has to be explained. In common English. People like their their little secrets. Gives them the separation you always talk about people wanting. Tom I Brady, know something. Tom Brady needs separation? No, the people who came up with NFTs and name stuff. Who are they? Tom Brady's getting paid. I don't know. Some digital guys beats me. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Miami Hurricanes quarterback Derek King has become the first college player to sign an endorsement deal with the Florida Panthers, the NHL team announced Monday. King will appear at some Panther games and events, plus engage with fans on social media and produce digital content. Deal also calls for King to work with the Panthers to develop a merchandise collection, co-branded art, and his own exclusive concession menu item to be available at all Panther home games and events for the coming season. He's the first college athlete to sign an NIL deal with a professional franchise according to the Panthers. Is he a big enough star? You're going to want to go to a Florida Panthers game and uh, and get his uh, burger or whatever that item is? They think so. Yeah. Kent State coach Sean Lewis has agreed to a contract extension through 2025. He became the youngest head coach in FBS, 31 years old. When Kent State hired him in December of 2017, guided the Golden Flashes to consecutive winning seasons for the first time since 1976 and 77. It's been a minute for Kent State to do a little winning. 31, way young. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Only four games in the big leagues last night. The Padres beat the Marlins 8-3. Joe Musgrove. Six innings of good work. Eric Hosmer, who seems to be heating up over the last uh, 
68 weeks, homered in the victory. That was the only action in the uh, in the National League West. Yankees beat the Royals. DJ LeMay, who's RBI double in the 11th inning, lifted New York. Well, I think the big story in MLB yesterday was the Rockies said that the fan did not use the N-word for the... Uh, he was yelling at the mascot. Mascot dinger. Dinger. <laughs> and then, of course, all the social justice warriors went to town on that. Just, oh, brother. Some people were disappointed he didn't say it. And, and who is going to say it? Stand up in a relatively crowded area and start screaming that. I suppose it would happen. But in that situation? Seems unlikely. Yeah. What would have triggered all that? Well, one other note on the Yankees who won. Glaber Torres, <laughs> injured list. <laughs> He, he moves on Glaber. quickly. Well, uh, did you have more to say about one person I in a Rockies game? I didn't. White Sox 11-1 over the Twins. Five ribbies for Eloy Jimenez. He had two dingers. That's home runs, buddy. we got to change that. Yeah, right. That. Can't say now. dinger anymore. Indians beat the Reds. Jose Ramirez with a two-run shot. And an RBI triple. There you go. B's got blown out by the Aviators 14-5. Coverage on the zone for the series finale starts at 7.50. First pitch, 8.05. DJ and PK, that is what is trending. And what is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Jeff Garcia, San Antonio Spurs digital journalist for KENS5 and host of Locked on Spurs is going to join us at 8 o'clock, talk with him about Rudy Gay and the move to the Jazz. Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic, will join us at 9 o'clock. What is going on with the Sun Devils? How many more coaches are going to get suspended there? How is this going to play out? We'll talk with him coming up at 9.05. Question of the day on the way on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotting and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. In the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision, Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801 253 3080. That's Davis Vision. Question of the day Mike Conley is back. With the Jazz, the hamstring. How much confidence do you have? He says he's working on the hammy issues and hopes to be in fully healthy. What is your confidence level? PK, what? got a lot of answers here from people who are pretty lukewarm. Hopeful, but lukewarm. Ryan says on a scale of 1 to 10, I give it a 5. 
Ooh, that doesn't sound lukewarm to me. David says he'll play 50 games. Shane says, well, this isn't lukewarm. Shane, ice cold, very confident that the Jazz wasted their money. Now, what's the definition of wasted? Well, there's no hope he plays in the playoffs, and I guess it's wasted. I think most Jazz fans have some hope, so I, I get why someone would give it a five. He's going to have issues at some point. Five? That's is an gonna F. Be, is he going to be, or, or it's 50-50? That's seriously low. Here's Mike Conley with his media availability yesterday afternoon. Yeah, the hammy's been good. It's been really good. I've been training real hard and um, been going through a really good program to try to, you know, hopefully knock out these issues that have been creeping up in the last few years. And, um, and you know, as far as, uh, I guess, what I've been doing is just, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of strength, a lot of, uh, a lot of yoga, a lot of stretching, a lot of things I've kind of taken a, a liking to. Uh, that I haven't really. All right, there's Mike Conley. Mike Conley talking about yoga, stretching, taking a liking to stuff that should have a positive impact. You like yoga pants? <laughs> How about it depends? <laughs> Lance says hamstring issues are hard because they seem like they never fully heal. Never? So once you get one, you're just doomed for life. For life. But then he says, I'm thinking he'll be good come October. If he's good come October, great. She told me he's good come the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but you in the same, the next breath, you say, well, somebody who's out can't just jump back in. It doesn't work. So why would I want him to be not well in the regular season, but be good enough in the playoffs? That doesn't sound... Like there's a that's a recipe to win. You've said that many times. You just can't come back and just flip the switch in the playoffs. And now with Conley, you're saying he can. Well, well, if his if he misses uh, if the twenty let's say twenty five games he misses or the last twenty five games of the season, then all the concerns you're talking about would be real. If they're spotted throughout the year with back to backs, that doesn't bug me as much. It was not twenty five back to backs. No, it'll probably be fifteen to twenty. Probably closer to fifteen. See when the schedule comes out. I don't think they're going to waste their money because I think this building is going to be packed. The value of the franchise is going to go up. Uh, So when you look at money, I mean, that's the way they look at it, too. The fan doesn't necessarily look at it that way because he doesn't care. She doesn't care about that stuff. But these are people who made millions and billions of dollars, and they look at the financial ramifications of it. So returning Conley... No, when the season starts in a few months, expectations are going to be second to when the Jazz went to the finals the second season uh, back in 97 and then consequently in 98. The place is going to be electric. So they're not wasting money. They're going to get that money back and then some. So I disagree on that 100%. Kyle says, I'm confident he'll miss some games. I just hope it isn't in the playoffs. And then he posts Al Davis saying, just win, baby, and laughing maniacally. Yeah. See, I think the wasted is in terms of pursuing a championship. Maybe not. Maybe that's not what the person meant. So if you don't win it, it's wasted. 
Well, if you spend it on him and he doesn't play in the playoffs, then it's wasted. I mean, you can't say that all 29 teams wasted their money. You have a good time. Why are we assuming he's not going to play in the playoffs? He played last year in the playoffs. He did. He was there in the Denver series. Had the last shot at the end of Game 7. So why are we assuming that there's any more possibility he doesn't play in the playoffs versus fill-in-the-blank player well, doesn't he, play in the you, playoffs? I mean, this just goes to your longtime analysis of fans. Be negative, lower the expectations, so you're not hurt as bad if it doesn't work out. And ultimately, for 29 of the 30 teams, it doesn't work out, and then the Milwaukee Bucks get to have a parade. Then why be a fan? If it's going to hurt <laughs> you, why be a fan? Because it's fun. Well, until how you can get it be hurt? fun and <laughs> if you're hurt? Or is it like love? You need to risk and put your soul out there. It is better to have lost and be lost in love than to find something. Better to have loved and lost and never to have loved at all. I think think I'm George Bush over here. (laughs) (laughs) Fool me once. All men are created, uh, you know, uh, the thing. (laughs) Thanks there, Joe. Any sentence that ends with the thing, that's a classic immediately. I have full expectations for Mike Conley to play and play well next season. He's talking about doing all this rehab and prehab and all this stuff this summer. And last summer, you know, what could he do? He was limited in what he was able to do there. This time, he has a full off season, such as it is. It's shorter than normal because the season was pushed back. But he's he has got a all fuller, this time. He has a fuller offseason. He has all this time to get himself prepared. Now, the hammy can be great, and the ankle could hurt. I mean, the elbow could whatever. Fill in the blank. So, I'm not doomsday going forward with, with Conley. He's but not it, an Iron Man, but nobody's an Iron Man anymore. Okay, so if you're seventy, if you play seventy games in a season, like Locke told us, the number is seventy-one, seventy-two, somewhere in there, is an average season. Plenty good enough for me. But if I told you right now he's going to play sixty, would you take over or under? Which is more likely? I'll go over. I would take it right now. If someone offered a sixty-four games to Mike Conley. Nelly, however, would take the under. Uh, <laughs> asked, what's your confidence level? She says, um, zero. Zero, huh? Way negative. Same thing will happen next season. Jeff, on the other hand, says 100%. 100% Full what? gamut and back-to-back posts. He has 100% confidence. Okay. Mike Conley, 100% confidence. I assume you think Mike's going to run out, play 72 of the 82. That's a full-time season. And then be available for every playoff game they play. That, to me, would be 100%. I don't need him playing 82 games. I don't need him playing 100% of the regular season. You have full confidence in someone, they miss a handful of games. The no statues just rolled over and they're not even dead yet. <laughs> ah, that's right. You need them to play <laughs> that's right. when they're supposed to go to work. Times have changed. No one's playing 82. That's not true. It's an extreme statement. Most people aren't playing 82. And why not? I mean, we'll never know 
but did the statues playing 82 at any point deny them an NBA championship? If they would have played, if they would have rested, games, if they had rested in '97 and '98, would they had a little more juice and won in the finals? Any number of seasons, not just you don't have to pick those two against Jordan. There was times that they had opportunities to win when Jordan wasn't around or wasn't ready to win yet. I mean, they were a better 80, team in the '80s than the Bulls were. Yep, '88 could have been a chance. 94-95 could have been a chance. Clearly, 97 and 98 were chances. Then, if 97 and 98 were chances, then 96 was a chance, too. Throw it in there. Game 7 loss to the Sonics. Right. But that was the year Jordan went nuts with 72 wins. So, uh, But if the other two were, then the prior one. So they've got like five, six seasons. Does anybody think if they would have rested, took time off, that they would have increased to the point of winning, or do you think they definitely would have won if they would have rested? If they would have been ahead of their time, which sounds crazy to say, being ahead of your time by taking time off hmm. seems uh, just out of whack. So don't go as hard as ahead of your time. Does anybody think that? We'll have no way of knowing, so I don't know that you can be wrong. I have never thought that until this discussion. Nor have I re- re- really ever heard anyone say, that was the difference, that was what cost Well, it. I mean, that's what basically you're saying on these guys. I mean, you're already coming to the table. Figuring they're going to miss games. Three months before the season starts, guaranteeing me that Conley won't come anywhere near playing all the games that he's getting paid to play for. You've virtually guaranteed me that he won't come anywhere near. You're willing to accept. I would take the under on 72. Not being good on hamstrings and all that, I would probably take the under on 60, although that makes me. What are you good on with the body there, big guy? (laughs) (laughs) Knee injuries. (laughs) I diagnosed Carlin's knee injury in front of you a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, and the I got I got news for you. The, the, the medical chain, uh, advancements have gone leaps and bounds since you hurt. Well, your then knee. hopefully the medical and uh, stuff's gone. And you already leaps, know that leaps and bounds forward on hamstrings. Well, you already know that it has. It has right because you know everything has. So I, I wouldn't worry about the hamstring because, as I say, how do you know it's not an ankle or a finger or an elbow or a shoulder? You don't know. I mean, we don't know. It's a huge factor in the playoffs last year, and I expect it'll be a huge factor in the playoffs I mean, next year. I don't year. know that who's going to go down. Conley has had hamstring issues that have plagued him throughout his NBA playing career. No, there have been other injuries along the way. But I'm not going to go accept that the premise already that he's going to sit out double-digit games? Will you accept it later? I have to see what the injury is. Because I don't know that these load management spiels help teams win titles. Because as much as we can say, well, if the Statues would have sat out, they would have won. That's just a theory. It has. There's nothing behind it that can be proven in the least. Is there anything behind saying, well, two years back when 
three years ago, whatever it was, when Leonard won the title for Toronto, he sat out 20 games. And man, if he didn't sit out those 20 games, there's no way they would have won the title. You can't say that either. You don't know that. There's no alternate universe to check any of this. In Leonard's case, I don't know, but I think it's reasonable to have suspicions that this partially torn ligament he's had, that there's been something wrong with it for a while, and that's why he's taken so many games off. And a lot of different teams have gone along with it. Maybe because he's a good player and they're afraid he'll leave, he'll get upset He's got leverage. Right, he's got leverage. But at the same time, given the way he hurt his knee just running down the court on a really routine-looking NBA play— it's not a reach to say he's been nursing something there for a long okay, time. Okay, but that so fine. everybody's so everybody's different. But In Conley's case, he when we talk seventy two games, he hasn't played seventy two games since the uh, two thousand thirteen and fourteen season when he played seventy three. So it isn't always going to be the hammy, but there have been different health issues with him in a long time. I also think that now in all these sports, it seems like. They've hired the medical performance people to make sure it's, it's beyond the team doctor and trainer. But it seems like their job mostly, when we hear about them, is they're holding people out. When in doubt, don't play. Did you ever notice that a mechanic's car never runs well? Because <laughs> they're always tinkering. Yeah. So we've got all these advancements now. we got 42 trainers and this and that, mm-hmm. and massage and this and that, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, when in and doubt, the players are playing less than ever. Yeah. When in doubt, they say, don't play them or yeah. play them a limited amount of time. So was there doubt back? There was just no yeah. doubt with the statues and Thurl and Eaton and all these dudes who showed up every single game, every single year. There was probably. And then Jerry Sloan looked at him and they suited up and played. So I mean, they had over practices. So you yeah. would, that would be inclined to say it was Jerry's fault. My mind, it was Jerry's credit that well, they showed up and played. Fault or credit? Jerry was the reason. That was his attitude, and he ran this. He ran the ship. And I don't. I don't know. Played. I don't know that the coach has and authority over alone, the medical people. And Stockton alone signed off on it. And so did Mark and Eden. That, so did Thurl, right. and on and on. And that's going to put pressure on everybody up and down the roster. So, okay, so it's not really a medical thing. It's a wussy mindset thing. And what, you're, what you just said is you just called out the stars who aren't willing to have that level of expectation. And you called out Quinn Snyder, who isn't willing to have that level of expectation. I don't think you would do that. Uh, there's no way you would do that, but that's what you're doing. The mindset's totally changed. And, yes, Quinn's mindset is different than Jerry's, but... Everybody in sports is mindset. I mean, pitchers don't throw as many innings. NBA players don't play 82 games. I mean, we can go up and down the list. And mechanics cars don't run well <laughs> the way they're supposed to. Come on. You don't think there's a, a connection here? I just, and if, I just wonder if it makes any difference. Well, I guess we can go back to players whose careers were shortened by injuries. Uh, could they have lengthened their careers if they sat out games in the 80s and 90s? Well, it's not about lengthening their careers. It's about winning it all. <laughs> I think this discussion is partially about lengthening your career. For the individual, but not for the fan. Right. Not for the owner. If Mike Conley, if they win the title... Next year, and Mike Conley never plays another game for the Jazz. Who says okay? Everybody? 
Conley may not say okay, but everybody else would. Jazz fans raise their hand. Yeah. That was a great contract. Yeah. It's about winning it all. That's up to the individual to prolong his or her career. If, and then the money's so outrageous, do they need that? And depending on the individual, Rudy Gay, does he need to play? No, he wants to play. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, unless he's gone through money uh, at unbelievable amounts of and rates, does he financially need to play? No, I wouldn't think so, unless he's just been totally off the wall with the money, but I have no idea. I don't know what that kind of money is. I'm a paycheck-to-paycheck dude, man. Uh, so, and, I, and I'm not poor by any stretch, but I'm still a paycheck-to-paycheck guy. I need a job, and I'm going to need a job for many years to come. Uh, but I don't think those guys are in that position. So they want to play, and you have to have health to play, sure. But I think that's largely on the individual. And I've said that with Chris Paul and LeBron and these guys – that you look at them, and Stockton was the same too. You look at in the face, he looked older, but you look at the body from the time he was younger in his prime to the time he's older, you couldn't tell a lick of difference. And I don't, I haven't seen him now uh, in years, but I used to see him uh, when his kid was playing down in Vegas, bump into him, and he looked exactly the same. So the point being, it's up to those guys the player himself, herself, to keep themselves in the best shape possible. That's their job to do that. And if they do that, they probably can extend it. Lots of guys are extended. Yeah. And you see players come back to the start of the season. Most of them don't look like they've gained a lot of weight, gotten out of shape. Probably a handful who have, but most don't. So I think they can extend their careers, but it's up to them. I think in the in the in the time in the in real time, it's up to them to give everything they have. Not well, I got to sit back because I got to worry about extending my career here. So I can't give all. If that were the case, and that ever got out, the fan bases would go berserko. You're not giving me everything you got right now, so you can extend it two, three years down the road. I don't think that's the mindset in the moment. They step back, and, and I'm, looks like Mike Conley's just taking fine care of himself. Just looking at him yesterday on the, on the Zoom thing, yesterday afternoon at 4 o'clock when he started. Uh, you know, He's going through all the stuff. That's what gives me a level of confidence that he's going to be able to pull this off. Because last year, I don't know what he was able to do uh, with the medical people and all. Probably not a whole lot because everybody was in isolation and lockdown and all that stuff. Well, this year he's able to have that opportunity, and I think he's going to take it seriously and put himself in the position. I think his mindset, knowing that he probably won't play the 82, I agree with you, but I think his mindset is to go full steam ahead. I would expect that is the mindset. I don't he's think doing he enjoyed, what he can right. to prepare himself for it. He's not sitting on the couch, well, yeah, I'm going to play every game. No, I don't. That's not. He's taken every opportunity to put himself in the best position to be able to do that. The goal for the regular season now is everything you just said, but to put them in the best position for the regular season. So if there is some issue along the way, hamstring or whatever else... Address it as it comes. Right. And I won't be surprised if he sits out. Sure. Because this team has answered so many regular season questions now. The questions for this team are now in the playoffs. And maybe we'll get down to the end and there'll be some race and a matchup at home court. 
So I can't say there's no questions in the regular season, but the overwhelming majority of the questions for this team are now in the playoffs. But and we'll, figure to be for the next, you know, as, as long as Donovan Mitchell well, and Rudy Gobert are here in the contender. Prime, yeah. That's what you want. That's what you you want to be. If you're a legitimate contender, then those were that. That's when the answers are going to be known. But I don't look at next postseason Mike Conley's injuries as a factor any more than I look at anybody else's on this team's a factor. Yeah, I don't think I could sign off on that 100. percent I get your point, and I can sign off it on ninety percent. But because Gobert has played so many games, he got hurt against the Clippers in the postseason. He did, but that was several years ago, and he bounced back. I mean, anything can happen. You can. You can always. Years ago. I mean, yesterday you t- you spent the whole show telling me about two thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll grab whatever year I need. <laughs> There's somewhat happenstances, injuries. A lot of them are, yeah. Like Donovan Mitchell, who was the kid who ran in, I don't even remember, it was that day game, Yeah, right? And rolled his ankle. I don't remember who it was now. I don't even remember the team, really. I can't, I can't, but I can remember the play. Pacers? I, I can't remember. Knock! Figure it out, I, I think it was. I think you were right. I think, yeah, Pacers. Yeah, think but right. I ain't blanking on the guy's name. I can see the play clear as sure. day. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Who it was doesn't right. matter. Right. The fact it was Donovan's ankle matters a lot. But it was just a freak occurrence. Yes. In a sense. And those always happen. The, so that's what I'm saying. Yes, they do always happen. I agree 100%. They do always happen. You just don't know when and to whom. And so with that in mind, I have just as much confidence in Mike Conley being available in the postseason next year than I do any other player. And I can argue because Mike Conley would be 34 and he's running out of chances he knows full well and he believes and I support him in his belief that this team has a legitimate chance to win it all I believe that they, that they do and he knows full well that he's a critical component of all that so he's going to have to legitimately be unable to play because he's running out of time whereas Donovan Mitchell stands to have years to come you know that's all true it's just are his injuries chronic? Some people, they just they have worse luck. I don't I don't know why. I assume he works really hard at it in the off season. It sounds but they like it chronic when he talks. the year before in the playoffs. Nope, they weren't. So and it's like he hasn't had injuries every season for six years, but he's had a lot of them. Right, but we're talking about the playoff now. That's the highlight of the postseason. So, is the, of the season right. is the postseason. So, so that's why that's one why for fans two. right, and that's why fans should have some confidence because sitting here on August tenth, although he presumably was thinking about this a month ago too. But as we sit here on August tenth, everything for Conley should be focused on how do they make sure he's healthy for the playoffs because we don't have many other questions about him. When he plays, we think he plays at a very high level. When he plays, we think he goes a long way towards helping them win. And I don't think most Jazz fans are that worked up about the regular season now. Oh, it depends. It may. Agreed. But they just had the one seed and they went out in the second round. They've gone out in the second round with a four and a five seed also with this group, this coaching staff, and you know Ingles and Gobert and, and Mitchell, his rookie year. They were out in the second round. So the biggest questions loom out there in the playoffs next year. So not only does he have the time from now until the start of the season to see what he can do about these chronic injuries, but he's really got from now until the start of the playoffs. Whatever it takes. I don't understand hamstrings. I've never had hamstring problems. 
and we joke about me and what I know about knee problems. Well, that's because I had them, and there have been advances, obviously. And, and there's part of me that just looks at the last six years of his career and says, it may not be the hamstrings. He could work really hard and get really good advice from medical people, and his hamstrings could be great, but it could be something else. Well, you're about to say the Houston Rockets because nobody goes to the NBA Finals sitting down there at three, four, five, six, seven seeds. So to think that the regular season doesn't matter is just not true. Well, weren't the Bucks just the three seed? I didn't have to go to the Rockets. Right. But you can go over there all you want. And that doesn't help you. I'm talking about this. This conference. oh, in the West, in the yeah. West, yeah. I'd have to look up three seeds in the West. You're right; there aren't a lot. So the regular season matters. It's launching point to the postseason, and it has been for many, many years. And the Suns were the two seed and got there. Yeah, for all the for all the play in the West that was so good and so even, they were the two, and they got out. Right, in a game behind. They were right there, obviously. So it does matter. So I I want Conley to be ready first game because that that sends a strong message, man. If you're out there playing and maybe you miss an occasional game for rest, didn't the the Lesacco Bear one game they played? It was a it's funky situation. Full of them. What, what, what that was that Go Bear thing? It was like a Saturday afternoon game or something in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they almost won, but somebody got free for a layup at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it would have been cool if Gobert would have just been sitting over there and said, yeah, I'm coming in, coach. <laughs> and blocked the shot or something. Played uh, five seconds, and, and they won that ball game. Uh, so I think it does matter. And I think he's preparing to play because I think he, he knows the situation is at hand. He knows that the sense of urgency with him, with Ingles, with Bogdanovich. I think it's extremely high. Rudy Gay now is a 35-year-old dude. Whiteside is 32. I mean, these are pups in the game of life, but this isn't the game of life. It's the game of the NBA, and they're up there, they're out there, and it's soon to be gone. Ben Scully? No, Clowkey, you idiot. <laughs> Jeez, wow, what disrespect. There's a track to the wall gone for Vince Scully. <laughs> Jeez, Vince Scully. Don't you watch and go to B's games? What you do? Did you go up to Rice Eccles and find out that going to B's games isn't profitable for Channel 2? So you don't pump that up the way you do the soccer? You know, oh, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, manifesto boy. <laughs> for a second, I didn't because I thought you were talking to you football. I got it now. I don't listen to Clowkey when I'm at the game. I listen to Clowkey when I'm in my car. Why not? I bring the radio and I listen when I'm at the game. I've never done that. I bring my transistor my, and I listen and, to the game and my on dad the radio. Was, my dad was of the generation and that was actually a thing as opposed to a joke. Uh, you would now take your phone and listen to Clowkey. You would not bring you. your transistor. But this still happens down in Provo. Yeah. I bring my transistor to the game well, so I can hear the call. That's what that radio guy in San Diego was probably And it's up there, and it's out there, and it's gone. Vince Scully. We got our own Vince Scully right here. Unfortunately, his dad wasn't in broadcasting, so he doesn't have a major league (laughs) gig. It does does tend to clog up the career path. (laughs) If only he'd hit hit 500 home runs or had a dad who owned a team. Owned a team or was a broadcaster. Off the top of your head, how many broadcasters had dads who were broadcasters? Uh, every last one of them. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jeff Garcia, San Antonio Spurs digital journalist for KNS5 and host of Locked On Spurs is going to join us. Coming up in 15 minutes, talking about Rudy Gay and the move to Utah. Coming up next, man, I have just got a bone to pick with all media members, and I'm going to unleash. That's next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific, you know, Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why me? Hawaii, huh? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Hawaii means I love you. You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, local media, hold them accountable, PK. That's not just local. It's everybody, oh. everybody now. Everybody. Yeah. National media. Yeah. International, global. Coward now? Come on. People say, well, Colin... <laughs> Does everything have to be a simile and a metaphor? Yes. That ball is like a stone. <laughs> everything. Everything. But good for him. He's made millions. Not just him. That was, uh, who was the Sports Illustrator? Was it Rick, Rick Riley? Riley. Yeah. yeah. He worked the similes and metaphors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love today. He cashed in, too. Yeah. Good for him. For anybody who cashes in, I'm all for it. Today's world, especially in college football, they add a player. Oh, man, that quarterback room, that running back room, that linebacker room. When did it become a room? Everything's a room now. That room is really strong. I don't care what the freaking room is. (laughs) (laughs) They reinforce the walls. It's strong. (laughs) I'm sick of hearing about the room. Back in the day, did they just go to opposite sides of the same big room and have their little meetings? But now they got all these palaces, so everybody's built a room for each a position room. group. The room. Oh, the quarterback room. He's going to add to the running back room. I don't need the room to be good. I need the field to be good. I need the scoreboard. He's going to light up the scoreboard. That's what I want to hear. The room. You know, what is the level of importance regarding depth? The quarterback room. They've got a great quarterback room. That's overstated. I want a great quarterback. I don't want to, I don't care about my room. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Well, yeah, but that, but now it's not just two. The room. In order to what qualifies to have a room? You gotta have like four or more. I mean, a few years back, you went nuts on Jordan Wilmore. I said, ease the hype on this kid. Jordan Wilmore. Oh, man. He's awesome. Yeah, those four yards he gained in his youth career, they were the best. Spectacular. 
<laughs> the room. What difference did it make, the freaking room? They all left. Who knows? Go clean your room. Go to your room, because you ain't in a Utah room anymore. All right, famous <laughs> phrases that use the word room. Right? The Utah room, the running back room with Brumfield and, and Wilmore, and I got a kid, I think his name was Green from, from Phoenix. That running back room, man, it was awesome. Yeah, the four-string guy is going to play special teams. <laughs> the room. And so, oh, but it breeds the competition. That's nothing but cliche. Because if I need somebody else to push me, am I really that good? It's got to come from within. Well, for the best it does, because there's no one to push the best. And that's who I want. they are the best. I want you to be your best. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. If you don't, if I need, if I got to have somebody to bring out the best in you, you're not good enough. You're not going to play anyway. But sometimes you still find another gear when you're pushed. The nature of competition. Right. But you would have it either way. Because if you find it when you're pushed, that means you're able to go get it and you would get it. That's my point. The room. The next guy who tells me about somebody's room, what are we, 12 years old here? Coach is trying to say nothing, come up with new expressions. Media members trying to sound like they know what they're talking about and they're friends with the coaches. Copy the expressions. Next thing you know, a new cliche is born. And then we never hear about the long snapper room. Suppose a long snapper goes down. <laughs> it's the specialist room, let's be clear. No, but we even get more specialized than the specialist. Now everybody's like stuck in some storage area or something. We need to have, what are we, Mike Leach here? Some Mike James's <laughs> son? Nice. That was good. Good pull. <laughs> we, we need to have a long snapper room. I want to hear about the long snapper room. And then I want to. We never hear about the short snapper either. It's always the long snapper. <laughs> the short snapper is the center. <laughs> well, you should go. It could be the kicker. I mean, the okay, snapper so on the PAT. You should spend each one of the media sessions for the next few weeks, which are going to get really boring because they're they, trying they not are. to say. You're right. They're they're trying not to <laughs> say anything. How'd it go today, Coach? Good, good, good. Yeah, we made progress. I can't ask about anything specific because I was around three corners and couldn't watch. And Jeff Call, I was talking to him yesterday, uh, covering the. U.S for the D News, and we were talking, because I've known Jeff for 20-some years, and we've spent a lot of time together just wasting time waiting at practices or on the road eating dinner or whatnot, and I've known Jeff, as I say, many years, and he was talking about, I mean, we were talking about back when we were covering BYU 20 years ago, you sit there and stand there and watch everything, and he was saying that a lot of his questions that he would ask in the media session were based on what he saw. That now be, you don't see anything. That would be logical. <laughs> so what am I supposed to ask? How'd it go today? Good, right. good. Yeah. We got a long way to go, but it went well. Yeah, guys right. are coming along. Competition's heating up. <sighs> same old crap every freaking day now. But they all think it gives them an advantage so they win games. But the truth is, they're all when it all's done, everybody went 500 because somebody's got to win and lose every game. But there's fewer interesting stories. People don't get drawn into the personalities and in the competition. And college football attendance is dropping. Uh, yeah, but so not for Utah. Team. Nope. Utah's an exception. And I don't think the fans care. As long as you win. 
the fans who are there, the ones that would care are the ones who aren't there anymore because they're not interested. They're more interested in something else or doing something else. Yeah, but how many is that based on because some ding-dong like me doesn't have access to watch a practice to answer, answer ask a more intelligent question? They haven't. They, the stories. You always talk about stories. Everybody loves stories. It's not just you. You certainly do, or you wouldn't have gotten into this line of work. Sure, yeah, yeah. But yeah. lots of people love stories, and there are fewer stories. Now, is somebody off hiking in the mountains because they didn't hear some story about some athlete? Well, no, they're cleaning the, their room. The Utes, the Cougars, at the Jazz? <laughs> <laughs> Tell fewer stories. But everybody's getting paid, so what do they care about the long-term future of the game? Well, the slot receiver room is really looking good at Utah. Well, as long as Britton Covey is there. <laughs> no, no, you got to have more than that. It's got to be, you got to have like four guys in the room. You can't just have one dude in the room, although that's good for him because then he's got more room in the room. If there's only one guy in the room, you follow me? When we come back, <laughs> I will not be following PK. <laughs> Jeff Garcia, Spurs digital journalist. What's the lowdown, Rudy Gay? How's he playing? What can Jazz fans expect? What will he contribute? Jeff Garcia, San Antonio Spurs. Works for uh, KNS5, covers the Spurs, host of Locked On Spurs. He'll join us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to talk with Jeff Garcia about Rudy Gay, new jazz man. Jeff covers the Spurs, digital journalist for KNS5 and host of Locked On Sports. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Well, how well Jazz fans are doing depends on how well the team is doing. So I guess really it comes <laughs> down to how, good, how big an impact is Rudy Gay going to have? How much does he have left in the tank? What do you think of the Jazz getting him? Uh, you know, you. I think the Jazz are getting a very uh, productive player that is going to provide some punch off that bench or whatever role he's going to get. You look at what he did in San Antonio. It wasn't too shabby at all in his time with uh, the Silver and Black. Close to about 12 points per game, 5.6 rebounds uh, in his first stint. And what I liked about him, though, was the fact that, at least in San Antonio, he was willing to adjust his role. And I think that's what you're going to get in Utah. I'll give you an example. When we came to San Antonio, you know, the Spurs, you know, they were still kind of up there. They weren't in the complete rebuild yet. You know, it was getting to that point. But when the Kawhi Leonard, you know, debacle happened in San Antonio, you saw Gay transform himself from what was supposed to be, you know, a key player moving forward in the Spurs push for a playoff run into a mentor. And um, he, he embraced it. And he decided to take a backseat to the young guys but still was able to provide a punch off that bench. He, uh, in the play-in tournament last season, uh, he was the one that led the Spurs in scoring. It wasn't the young guys. It wasn't DeJounte Murray or DeMar DeRozan. It was Rudy Gay. So in a crunch time, very all-or-nothing game, like the playing game was for Memphis, for San Antonio, he's delivered. And I think that's exactly what the uh, Jazz are going to get. A pro, a guy who's been there, done that, who understands that, yeah, okay, he's not maybe Sacramento Kings Rudy Gay or Memphis Grizzlies Rudy Gay, but he's still going to provide uh, Utah with offense and defense. He played the five a few times in San Antonio, which is good. Um, you know, he, he accepted it, I mean, undersized five, but should that be a need in Utah, he can play it, gentlemen. 
So what I find interesting, three-point shooting, as you know, has really taken over the league. It's so dominant, and particularly with the Jazz, they've got no problem. In fact, encourage guys to take it. And so he starts off in 2017, 18, 31 years of age. Uh, first year with the Spurs, I think it was. He goes 30, uh, 31% from three. Then the next year, he goes 40%. Then the third year, he's back down to 33%. And then last mm-hmm. year, he bumps it back up to 38%. That's a wide yeah. variance there. It's like every other year, he's pretty good. Uh, what do you attribute that to? And is there any concern yeah. there? Uh, no, I don't think there's any concern. I think I attribute that up and down thing just simply because of the makeup of the team. You know, it goes from. You know, heavy Kawhi Leonard when he was with him, you know, uh, and, you know, maybe shots are not going to him to, okay, you know, we're in this rebuild mode. You know, here's some more shots for you, uh, Rudy Gay. You know, we, we need this, you know, and here you go. And then last season, you know, he was, you know, for the Spurs standards, one of the better shooting uh, three-point shooters for uh, the team. Spurs were dead last. And this is just an attempt, an attempt, just attempts, gentlemen. Uh, Three-point shots, they were just dead last, and the Spurs were just, yeah, they were not the greatest one. Nobody was inviting the Spurs to the three-point shootout, I can tell you that much. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I think he fell victim to that. You also look at Popovich. You know, it's, it's funny to see him, how he evolves. He literally went, not too long ago, maybe about two, three years ago, to, to hating the three-point shot to now needing it. Um, and, and admitting it, like, yeah, you know, NBA now is, you know, live and die by that three. And um, and I think also that too had to do with just his role. He was he was he, you know sometimes was given minutes, but then other times wasn't because they wanted to give it uh, to the young guys that were going to eventually take the keys for San Antonio. As we'll see next season, you know the fact there was a pandemic season, you know that cut into his shots. And then you know fast forward to that bubble season, you know out in Orlando, you know again the guy the young guys were put front and center. And I think that has a lot to do with his erratic shooting. Uh, just because the Spurs are in flux and it impacted him, so you know, not you know, for what he did at San Antonio, not bad. He coming off that uh, that Achilles injury that he he suffered, you know, resurrected his career in San Antonio when many thought it was all but done after that devastating injury. And look, he's coming from a system that is well established. There's ties between Utah and San Antonio. There's Quinn Snyder, Popovich. You know, Snyder was the Austin Spurs coach for a long time. He understands that Spurs system. And now Snyder's bringing in a guy who lived it for X amount of seasons in San Antonio, and that's really going to be a nice injection of professionalism, what it takes to be a winning team, uh, and, and then some, because Jazz are already a winning team. They're, they're great. But now you throw in a guy who, who lived, you know, the Popovich last Snyder, you know, vibe, uh, you know, that, that, that game plan. I think it's going to bode well for Utah. And, I think at the end of the day, next season, people are going to look back and look at that Rudy Gay pickup and say, you know what, that was such a slick pickup by the Jazz. So the problem for the Jazz against the Clippers at the end of the series, they just couldn't stay in front of them. Rudy Gay talked about being able to defend positions. How many many positions can he defend? How many guys can he stay in front of? I think he could go from the... The three to five position, you know, and those are probably the best ones at five. You know, I mean, he's going to be undersized, but again, in San Antonio, he was forced to do it because of the fact that the Spurs simply didn't have that much depth at the five spot. It was just Yaka Pertle, and that was pretty much it because after the LMA, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, uh, left San Antonio, they became very thin in that department. It was just Pertle, 
uh, undersized Drew Eubanks and an unproven uh, young guy, Lucas Omenich. And that was it. So the Spurs were forced to go to Gay a lot at that position. So he definitely can play it and he'll defend it to the best of his ability. And of course, you know, the three and the four spot, you know, is natural. You know, I think he, he's capable of doing that. You know, look, you're, you, you're learning how to play defense from a defensive minded coach like Greg Popovich. That is going to translate well into uh, Utah. Pop has taken guys that normally don't have the reputation of being a good defender and made them decent, you know, <laughs> at least decent to get to that level. There's Brent Forbes, you know, not the greatest defender, but in his time in San Antonio, he made them decent. Same thing with DeMar DeRozan, you know, came into San Antonio with not that reputation, but made him a decent defender. So you're going to translate that from the Popovich system into the Quinn Snyder system. Uh, yeah, between the three and the five, I think you're all going to be all right. How much you think that he's going to be better or fit in well simply because the talent around him yeah. is better than what the Spurs can offer at this time? Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think that's going to be the wild card for uh, Rudy Gay. I think you're going to see him perhaps produce more uh, and be more of an impact player than he was in San Antonio. As I mentioned earlier, San Antonio was, is in transition, and the Spurs you know, used him for that transition, and that was being the mentor. You know, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't come into San Antonio years ago signing with them to think, I'm going to be a mentor at the end of my stay here. No, he was to be an impact player. So that is going to revive him. Uh, you know, he's surrounded by, you know, great players from Donovan Mitchell, that drive and kick out I think is going to be great for him. You have a, a, a guy that can still attack the rim. Uh, he, last season in San Antonio wasn't, you know, too surprising to see him just light up the scoreboard and bring the people off their seats with some highlight dunks and great defensive stops. I, I really believe that culture in Utah of winning and getting to the promised land, that being the last team standing, is going to do well for him. Um, you know, that's the last thing that's missing on his resume. He's been an all-star. He's, got, he's been scoring left and right since he entered the NBA. So that's the last thing on him, and I think that's going to rejuvenate him and make a chase for the uh, NBA uh, title. And, yeah, I mean, what better way to do that than a team like Utah that's ready-made for a deep push into postseason? Jeff Garcia joining us, works for KNS5 and host of Locked on Spurs, talking about Rudy Gay, who's been in San Antonio for the past uh, four seasons, now moving to the Utah Jazz. Uh, He's moving on a three-year deal. So if they win a championship or one, no one cares if he's overpaid years two and three. Uh, (laughs) But. Just based on his career arc, I realized, you know, in your mid-30s, father time can catch you at any time. But what did you think of the length of the deal? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was a little long. I, I thought it'd be at two, two at max, uh, but three going into, well, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, his prime. You know, you never know. You know, these players nowadays, technology and medicine extend their primes. But you, know, you factor in his age, you factor in that, He's not that explosive player as we saw pre-injury. And I thought it was a little too long. I I think I would have gone with maybe a two-plus team option, maybe. I think that would have been the smarter uh, route to go. But, hey, look, you know, know, worst-case scenario, worst, worst worst-case scenario, you know, if there's a deal to be made, you have a guy, a veteran uh, that you can move. It sounds like a team-friendly deal as far as um, cap space. You know, they didn't break the bank on him, so that's good. And all in all, I think um, I really believe that Rudy Gay with Utah is going to be one of those under-the-radar moves. I really believe that. It, 
you know, he's going to be surrounded by that, that winning culture, as I mentioned, you know, the, the Quinn Snyder, Popovich there, it's going to be seamless. And I think it'll be money well spent for Utah because last season you saw sometimes they struggled. And um, whether it be inexperienced or just young, you know, what have you. But you pair him there with Mitchell, you pair him there with Gobert. Now Gobert has a legit 3-4 guy he can just go to, an athletic one, at least at his age, quote-unquote, you know, at 30-plus, that can really help him in the paint offensively. So all in all, good move by Utah. Deal was a little too long, but I, I think it'll pan out. One of the uh, aspects of a Quinn Snyder's offense, you know, we talked about the three and shooting it, but the ball's got to move and it can't stick. You don't have a lot of individual yeah. dribbling. Mitchell does it to an extent. Jordan Clarkson does it probably more to an extent. But other than that, the ball is constantly moving. How's Gay's ability to anticipate the pass and the ability yeah. to make the pass? Absolutely. I think it's a, it's a top notch. You know, you, you look at what he uh, had to deal with in San Antonio. Uh, up and coming guard, Jonte Murray, you know, pinpoint passing to Martin Rosen. You know, he was the leading uh, facilitator for San Antonio last season. Uh, so you look at that, you know, always uh, head on a swivel, ready to catch. And he's a pro, you know, he, he's been there, done that. He, he exactly knows to anticipate passes, you know, uh, out of the passing lanes. And he's going to get that, whether it be from Clarkson or, or, or Mitchell or Conley. You know, I, I think that will mesh well. And I think the Utah Jazz fans have nothing to worry about when it comes to that aspect of his game. Now, you know, you, you know, again, it could be a product of the fact that the Spurs were simply in transition. But, you know, last season in San Antonio, there was some erratic play. There was, you know, sometimes he looked like, great, you know, he could be the next six-man of the, of the year award winner off coming off that bench for San Antonio. But... At the same time, he was also injected into the starting lineup a few times last season for the uh, Spurs. So, you know, that just simply could be, you know, lineup shuffling. Could attest why he was a little inconsistent at times. But, look, you know, despite the fact that Spurs had a lot of young guys and the youth movement is now officially on, even though it started last season, Spurs fans, um, you know, at times were crying, um, bad tears because they did not want to see him on the court. They wanted the young guys to get the run, but he got that run last year, so he's not coming in rusty. He's not coming in, you know, barely played any games. He got a good chunk of games under his belt last season despite the fact that the Spurs were in rebuild mode. So, you couple that with the fact that he's likely going to see a spike in minutes, more playing time off that bench for Quinn. Uh, Yeah, I mean, great, great, great signing. I think Jazz fans will be excited for him. So with the Spurs being in full rebuild mode, as you say, and obviously they are, they've got Greg Popovich at 72 years of age. When is he going to step aside and let Becky Hammond be the coach? You know, that is a million-dollar question right now uh, in San Antonio and pretty much throughout the NBA, you know, what is next for Pop? You know, he just capped off the missing piece to his resume, which is the Olympic gold. So that's a big check mark. You know, he's done everything you can imagine in the NBA level and even international level we look at his influence with international coaches. So it's like, what next, Pop? Not many uh, coaches last past 70. Um, I think Jerry Sloan was the last one to really push uh, kind of a 70 push into the 70s before he called it a day. You, you, know, you look at the franchise history, and sure, losing Kawhi Leonard, losing David Robinson in retirement, and, and, and Timmy and Manu and Tony, that hurts. But I think... When Pop does call it a that is going to be a real big hit to the franchise um, because who fills in those shoes? Do they stay in-house and you know, promote Becky, you know, which seems to be the logical choice? 
or did they go out of house, out of the family, and bring somebody in? My point is, is that there's going to be a big regime change as far as that sideline patrolling is concerned. It's starting with the roster. I mean, I mean, all signs are pointing there in a rebuild mode when you draft Josh Primo at number 12 and leaving everybody's mouth and jaw just drop as why, and, well, then you find out because they are in rebuild mode. And you look at Popovich and you think, you got, this has got to be it. Either it's this season or next season. Look, I mean, he, he, you know, he still has left, plenty left in the tank physically. I don't know if you all saw the video of Draymond Green shot uh, after they won gold. He was showing Draymond how to lock up defensively in the hotel, which is yeah. hilarious if you have not seen it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think, like, he probably doesn't want to leave the, the Spurs family until he feels it's ready. But with them in full-on rebuild youth moving mode, you know, how much more does he have? Does it give it one more year, which would be this upcoming year? Would I be surprised if before the start of the season he announces this is it for him or, you know, one more season and we're done or no more. I did my Olympics and, you know, good luck to the next guy or girl. I would not be surprised. But one thing's for sure, they're not going to usher him out, we'll, uh, you know, prematurely. They'll go when Pop says he's ready to go. And from the looks of it, it looks like maybe he has one more season in him. But you look at what he said so far. He said that he will leave when Tim Duncan exits. That didn't happen. He said that he will leave when his big three, got, uh, you know, all retired. That didn't happen. He said that he will leave to honor LaMarcus Aldridge's time with him when he signed with San Antonio. That didn't happen because LMA is no longer a spur. So you see a pattern here. He's just not ready to let it go and would not be surprised if he comes back and says, yeah, I'm going to give it one more year. Well, Jeff, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the air with us and uh, telling folks about Rudy Gay. Yes, sir. Anytime. Thank you very much. Jeff Garcia, San Antonio Spurs digital journalist for KNS5 and host of Locked on Spurs. I'm glad that they gave Rudy Gay three years. Because? Because that shows an extreme commitment to win now. Because Kevin O'Connor has always said, we can get guys here. Probably going to have to overpay him, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, not just literally the individual salary, but it's the length of the salary. And so, especially it, for the older guys, he's going yeah. to be thirty-eight at that time. All right, that potentially is problematic. Guys take better care of themselves, and in the advancement, we were talking about medicine and so forth and training. I mean, it's, a, it's certainly it's the best it's ever been. But asking a thirty-eight-year-old to stay in front of a twenty-four or twenty-seven-year-old who's an elite athlete is a big ask, right? And it's going to be hard. But what it shows me, what I take from that, what I take from the Conley thing of seventy-some million dollars and all this stuff is, yeah, okay, that's expensive, but it's expensive to win. And you can't go safe and be conservative to win. And I think that the boundaries and all the stuff and the ideas and conceptions and perceptions, I should say, of Utah, I think they're breaking by the day. But they're still there to an extent, no doubt about it. And so what it's going to take, it's going to take some cash, probably, to get guys to come. And they're willing to put the cash out. And, yeah, all right, uh, so three years may be problematic, but if we're sitting on a title or two, who gives a flying you-know-what? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well... You've got to be bold. I don't think the overpaying them is ever going to change, because I don't think that's purely about compensating people for coming to Utah. 
Could it be? Sure. Absolutely. In some cases, is it definitely? Sure. But even if everything else is equal, to get to your original point about how hard it is to win and how committed you have to be, if you're that committed to winning and you're trying to get Rudy Gay in this instance, but Danny Manning 20 years ago and who knows 20 years from now, if you're trying to get that person and someone else thinks they're the missing link, they're going to overpay by a little bit. And you're going to have to overpay by a little bit. So I just think that competitive, it's a bidding. If, if multiple teams really want you, you're going to get a little more. I told you that a long time ago in radio. When you came in and you got your first job, there was only one person offering you a job. So they could offer you bottom dollar, and they knew it, and they did. You and, bet your bottom dollar. Right. And you wanted more because, well, of course you did. Everybody wants more. Well, I more. knew I'd never be paid to your level. Not true. And I'm still, not you know, true. that's just not going to happen. Not true. Liar, liar. <laughs> Fans on fire. Am I the only dude who t- actually took a pay cut to move to Utah? <laughs> Which is a true story. I took a pay cut to move here. Oh, man. You Paycheck blew it. is why I live in Utah. Yeah, but when you had leverage, when you had two people bidding for you, suddenly they were willing to pay more. So I think that whole over, right. they overpaid. Somebody was always going and, to overpay. And it was if you're sweet. A good, if you're a good NBA player... And multiple teams view you as a missing link. You can overpay. Once I it's got to happen. ten bucks an hour in radio, I thought I had it made. I called up my father. I said, "Dad, you're not going to believe this. Not only you better sit down, you better lie down." <laughs> you saved the school six hundred grand. Six hundred thousand. Wow. All right, DJ PK. It's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. What is going on with Arizona State football? How many coaches are going to get sidelined here? Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic, will join us at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Time to chat with Max Tooley. Give us a story or two about your mission. Something that was unique about my mission was I was assigned to speak Mandarin on my mission. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite the, you know, the tall order. Got to serve in different areas where, uh, you know, where specific you know Chinese students would be. I loved my mission. That Mandarin's going to serve you well down the line for sure. There's <laughs> yeah. no doubt about that. We appreciate your time and thanks for joining us. Hey, uh, uh, Max, why me? Hawaii, huh? Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you later. I know a little Mandarin. Look at you. You Focus. just Googled that. No, I did not. I know Hawaii means I love you. Because... You just told Max Tooley I love you? Yeah, well, yeah, now that I think about it, I did. That's a little awkward. He said it back, though. Oh, this is uncomfortable. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. Oh, boom! Question of the day. Mike Conley says he's working on the hammy issues and hopes of being fully healthy. What's your confidence level? What's your Conley confidence level? Fully healthy. Low. Healthy for the playoffs. Hopeful. Not confident. I can't guarantee anything, anybody. So I don't think confident equals guarantee. That's a long way away. A lot of basketball between now and then, so... That's a long way away? A long way away. One time, we were with Monsons, and we're going to Vegas. Story time! And we're going to stay at this... uh, We're at Residence Inn, right? You know, one of these deals where you got two bedrooms within... One roof, 
and his wife was driving. And, uh, you got a suite, I think, is what you're looking for. Is that what they call it? Okay. Yeah. Does it have a little living room area? Yeah, 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 yeah. Common area. Yeah, so you got a suite. Okay. Yeah. And he thought that she parked far from the door. And so he said, why did you have to park far away away? And we all started <laughs> Far away away? <laughs> Well, that makes a hell of a sense. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and she, his wife said, do you mean far, far away? <laughs> Double down on the wrong word there? Hey, I got two of the three words right. <laughs> and so we still laugh about that far away away. <laughs> Which kind of reminded me of... Well, you just said, although what you said was fine, but in my <laughs> junior high mind... But it brought you back. It did, so far away away. <laughs> I expect this guy to have a kick-butt season. Uh, there's multiple reasons. This is an unusual situation when you look at the NBA, or really pro sports in general. You've got, in this case... An owner, not quite, but certainly well within the ballpark of reality, is a contemporary of Mike Conley's. They okay, golf together. Right. right. Yeah, and the age difference is a few years, but it's not a generation. No, it's, not, no. it's not really even half a generation. No. One guy's older than the other, but it's not a big gap. No, no, that no. Age, I mean, they have kids the same age and all. That, yeah, that or, or close to group, it anyway. Yeah. They're going through a lot of the same stuff, right. now at a higher level, uh, financially, than the rest of us. But there's a relatability factor there, yeah. right? So where I'm going with this... Which won't be there in it, 10 years. Assuming Ryan owns the team in 10 years. No. Yeah. Yeah. He'll age out, in right. essence. And where I think that this could go is that Conley is going to feel an extra sense of responsibility and commitment. Not that it already wasn't there by any stretch, because I think to get to this level, you have to be committed to play. You have to be really good, but you have to be committed to playing and developing your skill and all that stuff. But he's going to feel an extra sense of obligation and personal responsibility to the owner. He spoke about, before Ryan owned the team, he spoke, Mike said, he had golfed with them. They asked him, it was last year, about it. Because uh, we know Mike likes to golf. Ryan Smith likes to golf. Did you golf with him? He said, yeah, I've golfed with him about 15 times. <laughs> right? No, you don't golf with someone 15 times unless you, A, like golfing with them. B, you're probably close in uh, comparison and ability to, you know, at least close enough, right? So you have that connection there. So I believe Mike Conley is going to do everything that he can possibly do to be there, not only for himself, for his teammates, but an extra sense of, uh, of connection to the owner because, in a sense, they're boys. Okay, that's all true. But I just don't think it's to the point. I think it is part of the point. Because he's going to do everything possible to keep himself healthy. Before he even got here. And you and I were talking, well, maybe we were talking on the air, but we were definitely talking off the air about him. And he already had the rep as the pro's pro. Like, guys on 
teams all over the league said positive stuff about him. And so his level of dedication and professionalism and commitment, I don't think it's ever been the issue. I don't even think it's ever been the issue just a little bit. The guy, he got that best teammate award. That's when most Jazz fans probably started paying attention and hearing him for the first time. And he got out of Utah, let's go do this or something like that. And he got that teammate award because everybody respects the guy and his work ethic and his commitment. So I have doubts. I've had doubts since the first time that the trade was talked about when it didn't happen in midseason and I went to injuries just because of the number of games he plays. But he doesn't play a limited number of games because he's looking to take the easy way out or he doesn't want to go. He was 80, 81, 82 game guy early in his career when he's healthy. But he's at a six-year run here where I just think he can't. His body, has, for whatever reason, hasn't allowed no, no, But see, you just told me that when you're pushed, that's going to motivate you already more. So right. you already acknowledge somebody is at a high level, but that person Can be pushed needs to a higher something level else. Sometimes. Yeah. So this is the same thing. So he's out there doing stuff, rehabbing, getting ready for the season right now. And that connection to Ryan Smith is going to push him even more. It's the same type of principle. So if you acknowledge it over here, you have to acknowledge it over there. It's the same thing. Same principle. So, so yes, but at the end, is it one of those deals where the mind is willing and the body won't follow? Because we've heard that from guys as they retire. John Elwin, he was up there crying. He wanted to come back yeah, and go for a third Super Bowl. He's not there yet. When your body breaks down, your body breaks down. He's for not somebody, there yet. Right, and Brady isn't there yet either, but lots of people have gotten there but turned before they've turned but 40. But Mike whatever. isn't. Mike's not there yet. We're talking about Mike Conley. We're not talking about but lots of people. His, but, We're talking about Mike Conley. But is his body at the point where it can only play 60 games? Because that's where it's been roughly for six years. If they have 60 games and they have the number one or two seed and he's healthy for the playoffs, that's plenty. 100%. But if they have 60 games and they're sitting there in the 7-8 seed, that's, that's not good enough. Totally agree. Totally agree. So I have to see what those – I just can't say – that's why I don't get into raw numbers and draw every conclusion from a number and a stat. No, that's not who I am. i got to see what that means. If that's the situation and he's ready to go on April 17th or whenever the playoff starts, then yeah, if that's he's, if totally he plays, fine. If he plays 60 games and they're the 6-7-8 seed, then something's gone horribly wrong with the health of multiple other players. Or the other teams are just that much better that we didn't anticipate. Mm, I, don't, I don't think they can fall that far. Maybe you fall 3-4-5 because other teams get better. Yeah, but, but, I, I, but, but see, his but absence combined with other people's absences. Yes, that's true. That's true. Elevates the level right. of his absence. So I have to see what that 60-game spiel looks like. I just can't say on the surface, yeah, I'll take that. I don't know that. I don't know that. His, his level of importance to the team might increase. Who knows what, what's going down next season. But the thought of him playing that many games and being healthy in the playoffs, I'm going in optimistically. Because I believe they are too. Why re-sign him if you have all sorts of doubts? That doesn't make any sense. Well, so the, the people the, who are with them all the time, they obviously have that level of confidence. So why wouldn't I have it? Well, I think the reason to re-sign him with whatever level of doubt they have, whether it's a little, it's medium-sized, or it's massive, is he was the best option. So what? They didn't have a better option. They took, they're taking their best swing. And will it work or not? You know, no, I don't Time think you pay tell. somebody $72, $72 million because I don't have any other options. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The number one thing to take from Hassan Whiteside's press conference, we did not know he actually had the option to go back to Portland, but picked to come to Utah instead, which I think is a good sign for a variety of reasons. If somebody actually wants to meet here, I think it does make a big difference. Rudy Gay, by the way, important for the same reason. He could have gone somewhere else. What San Antonio had going for so long, you got to create something players believe in and want to be a part of. Seeing players that have other options choose the Jazz because they want to be a part of it has not necessarily been the norm throughout the Jazz history. It just hasn't. I think that matters. It does matter. That's it. Nice legacy trending in a different direction than what might have been the case at one time. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280, the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Davis Vision loves teachers. If you're a teacher who needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment. Inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call them today at 801 253 3080 or check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Running back room. You love that. It's your pet peeve now. Yeah, it's my new pet peeve. You got to have pet peeves. <laughs> what was your old pet peeve? You. Ah! <laughs> the emphasis on old. <laughs> Why does running back room irritate you? Because the room. We, the, the room. Like, oh, who cares? It could be the running back group. The running backs. The running backs. But running back unit. You look at the running backs, and this is this is not particularly the U of U by any stretch. It's if I ain't playing, I ain't staying. And so they brought in Brumfield, and they brought in Wilmore, and they brought in Green from Arizona. I can't remember his first name. Uh, T.J. Green. T.J. There you go. And oh man, oh the, the, the running back room. Well, the running back room. What they freaking do? The running back room now. They all left. Just give me one or two guys. And these are mostly guys who've left somewhere else too. And this running back room. Nobody has a room. They have a meeting room in their expensive facility. Well, what they're saying, the room has become. The colloquialism, don't ask me to spell that, but it's become the vernacular of, oh, just incredible depth. You don't have incredible depth. Forget it. You thought you had incredible depth with those other guys. Those other guys didn't see the field and they left. Do you have the two guys you need if you need two? (laughs) You might only need one. Give me two. I can live with two. But this running back room, the quarterback room, who cares about the freaking quarterback (laughs) room? Because most of the quarterback room is going to leave. I want you to just snap in the middle. I'm snapping uh, right now. No, in the middle of an interview session. I want to be standing there (laughs) and just have you lose it. Knock it off. All of you. You two, coach. Stop it. (laughs) Running backs. You just need the letter S. You don't need a whole other word. It doesn't sound that cool. Do I got one or two good guys? Because that's all it's going to be, and the rest of the dudes are going to take off. What what does Utah have on scholarship right now? Four quarterbacks that that I know? Maybe even more. Uh, I can think of four. So yeah, 
And yeah, but anytime you look at a roster, play. there's a whole bunch of guys on right. there. You're like, well, okay. For example, in Provo right now, they have eight quarterbacks listed on that right. roster. Right. Yeah. And who did they elevate? And we think they have three, but know. they have they have more. Hold on, I will get that for you. Well, it's the they have the five two Texas guys and Cameron Rising, Jaquin and Jackson. Yeah, and and Charlie Brewer, Peter Castelli, and Bryson Barnes. Quarterback out of Milford, Utah. The local kid. Not that I even know where Milford is. Drive about an hour west of Beaver. I'm going to leave that one alone. (laughs) (laughs) You go up and down I-15, you're not going west. (laughs) I did uh, a couple weeks ago. Not that far west, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one's quite a detour. Okay. Milford 2A or 3A? I think they're 2A. They have been 1A and 2A over the last four or five years. Milford Tigers. Oh, why to go Tigers? And good for him. His scholarship to, to if he has a scholarship, I don't know. Oh, okay. He might, okay. He might be a walk on. He is a walk on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, how many of those guys are going to actually see the field and help you win? This whole idea of the room. What you're saying is, oh, we got incredible depth. Yeah, you had it with Green, Brumfield, and Wilmore. And how did that work out for them and for you? Didn't work out very well. But if you have a guy, you're going to keep giving him the ball. And if your guy is Zach Moss, eh, who cares about guys two, three, and four? That running back room was awesome (laughs) because you had Zach Moss. That's right. (laughs) And that running back room was awesome because you had Ty Jordan. The whole uh, 70-30 split of carries hasn't really been a Kyle thing. It was before... With McBride and even with Urban, but Kyle is largely, and probably not every year, but he's largely settled on the guy, and the guy is going to get 85 or 90% of the carries. Yeah. You know, the, the fourth, third or fourth drive of the game, he may put in a running back for one series and spell the guy. But then the guy's right back in there. Well, even now, I'm hearing, oh, man, they've got uh, Oklahoma transfer, Cincinnati transfer, LSU uh, LSU transfer. We got a guy who's won a national championship. He knows what it's all about. <laughs> we right. heard that yesterday. Oh, well, okay, he does. But if you're the guy at LSU, you leave early to go to the NFL. You don't leave early to go to Utah. No. I just want to know, man, you got one or two guys that can get the job done. That's what matters the most to me. And that's all I care about. And that's really all the fans care about. I think everything else is overblown. It sounds cool. The quarterback Until you mock it. The running back room actually has nine running backs at Utah. Mm. Looking at their roster. But there's four guys fighting for the one or two spots. (laughs) Bunk beds. (laughs) They're doubling up. Air mattresses. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Arizona State. They've got a chance to win the Utah State Championship. Playing a lot of local teams. But how many of their coaches are going to make the trip? Where is this? Is it a, is it a full-blown scandal now, PK, with multiple coaches suspended? Oh, for sure. Man. Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic, joins us next. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Doug, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. How good a morning is it for 
Arizona State football? How are they handling the uh, the headlines that started with a dribble and are picking up speed? Um. Well, I mean, publicly they're you know saying business as usual. I mean, we haven't had a chance to to talk with them since uh, the news that they had placed two more assistant coaches on leave. Uh, but, you know, at Pac-12 Media Day, at the first day of practice, Herm Edwards was asked specifically about, you know, whether this could become a distraction, and he said no. Uh, but it is getting harder to believe that because now they're down three assistant coaches. Um, just with all the maneuvering that they're doing to fill those spots, that, that affects four position groups, uh, about 40 players. And, you know, and, and people have told me, like, well, players don't care. You know, all they want to do is, is go out there and, and compete. That's not necessarily true. I mean, you know, they're, they're probably the closest people they are to in the program are their position coach. And, you know, a lot of times those guys recruited them, uh, and now you bring someone else in. And even if they've been, uh, you know, in the meetings and all that, it's, it's a different person. It's different language. Uh, you know, and it takes a, it's a different relationship. It takes some adjustments. So um, not ideal to be, you know, three weeks before the home opener and, and having lost 30% of your staff for sure. So as I understand, all this stuff that has gone on is basically somebody ratted them out, and I know you don't want to say, but the idea being the the coach who didn't get the O-line job and so forth, and so you got all that. So the thing that I haven't been able to figure it out is how much did Herm Edwards know? Well, for your first point, uh, you know, I know a lot of the, the, the fan speculation has pointed at Kevin Moai, the coach who didn't get the offensive line job. I'm not I'm not positive that that's the case. Um, you know, and Kevin and Herm go back, you know, years. They yeah. played Herm coached him with the Jets and uh so, you know, I'm not sure about that. Um how much did Herm know? Uh you know, based on my reporting, um, you know, and I'm it comes down to who you trust in this situation. because uh, you talk to a lot of people and sometimes you find out that the people you're talking to are just you know, they're just repeating things that they heard from someone else who heard them from someone else. But uh, I have heard that, you know, Herm was, uh, I have been told by people that I, tr- that I trust that, um, you know, he was aware that they were having some uh, prospects on campus during the non-contact COVID period. Uh, I don't know how many. Uh, I don't know if it's three, four, five. I don't know if it's uh, a dozen or more. Um, but, I mean, it, it does seem like that Herm kind of delegated a lot of his recruiting duties to the recruiting coordinator, Antonio Pierce, um, and then just kind of, uh, you know, was ready that when Antonio needed him to talk to somebody that, you know, based on what I've been told, uh, that that was the case. Now, it's only one side of the story. Uh, Arizona State has not uh, responded publicly, not talked publicly, publicly and you know, just as a reminder, these things are just allegations, and uh, you know the NCAA will have to prove them uh, before NC before Arizona State might get punished for them. So, while obviously a lot of the impact people are wondering about is the impact on this year, how much is this going to impact recruiting going forward? I mean, this is three guys off the recruiting trail who all had high schools assigned to them in state, although they don't get that many in-state guys, but they're also. S- presumably taking trips when the NCAA allows it to uh, Southern California and to Texas and wherever else they're trying to recruit guys. It seems like losing three assistants on the recruiting trail is a massive hit. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Uh, 
you know, Arizona State has a lot of talent and a lot of start returning uh, starters in place for this year. But, you know, a lot of times these things really don't impact the program significantly until later. Um, you know, Air, Herm Edwards made some coaching changes uh, a couple years ago, and what he did is he got rid of three guys, and he really went younger. He hired three young kids. I don't want to say kids. Three young men, um, all under the age of 30. And the main reason was, uh, you know, a lot of these guys didn't have really any recruiting experience. Or, I'm sorry, uh, coaching experience. And the main reason was for recruiting. And it worked. I mean, these three guys, Chris Hawkins, Prince Gill, and Adam Brenneman, the three guys on leave were, uh, you know, they're, they're three main recruiters. I mean, they're related to kids really well. Um, you know, Chris Hawkins, if you use the rankings uh, used by 24-7 Sports, is one of the best recruiters in the Pac-12. Um, he and Prentice Gill, um, you know, teamed up to bring in uh, their top recruit of their 2022 class. You know, who hasn't signed yet? He's just committed, but those were, he were they were the two lead recruiters on him. And so you wonder now, uh, you know, what effect that'll have on the 2022 class and moving forward. If you know they've already lost one commitment, so uh, that, that's a real concern because you know usually when there's a disruption like that uh, in the recruiting, you know prospects tend to look elsewhere. So, as far as the immediate future, uh, uh, these d- decisions to basically suspend these three guys, th- I assume that was Ray Anderson, along with the president, Dr. Crow, calling and saying to Herm, this is what we need to do in the short term. And, and I view it as sort of plugging the dam, so to speak. But the thought is that, okay, where does this end? Not from the NCA perspective, because that'll run its course as it takes its time to get to that point, whenever that might be. But from the ASU perspective, where does this end in the immediacy? Well, from what I've been told, this is all um, coming from Michael Crow, the school president, uh, so, which is not unusual for him uh, in the past since he's been at Arizona State. Uh, you know, whenever there's issues with the NCAA, uh, he gets involved. And, you know, to me, this seems like Arizona State is trying to, you know, from what's been reported, I have not seen the content of this package that was sent to ASU compliance and that is now in the hands of the NCAA. I have not seen the content of that. Uh, a national reporter has, and, you know, it seems like there's some pretty uh, – potentially damaging information in that, and the most significant of that information uh, seemed to deal with the three assistants who are now on leave. So it seems like Arizona State is trying to get out ahead of this, which is not uncommon. You know, in basketball, sometimes we see schools who are under the NCAA microscope, they kind of self-impose a tournament ban or something similar, just to kind of hopefully when the NCAA makes a ruling, they might, you know, show, you know, just maybe go a little bit more lenient than what they would have if they had not self-imposed the penalties. So it seems to me that Arizona State is in that phase right now that they are that they realize that you know they did some things that they shouldn't have and they're trying to get out in front of it a little bit. If there are additional moves, I don't know what they would be. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation around Antonio Pierce, the recruiting coordinator, and whether it's believable that the three youngest guys on staff orchestrated this all by themselves. But um, you know, Antonio Pierce is higher up the line and you know, he's really connected to, you know, he was, Herm Edwards was grooming him to be the next head coach at Arizona State. So, you know, I don't know. If they would lose him, then that would really, uh, really affect the entire operation. But, you know, whether it gets to that point, I, I don't know. 
So in the meantime, are the players just uh, shaking this all off and doing their thing? They've got their NFL dreams and their conference title dreams and all that kind of stuff. Does it really cause that big a ripple right now? Well, I mean, you know how players are. They're pretty resilient. Um, you know, and it, it, you know they're going to take an us-against-the-world mentality, which I think makes sense for them. Uh, you know, this is a lot of – I mean, they, they didn't do any of this stuff. Um, you know, one of the players at Pac-12 Media Day did say something I thought was really interesting. He said that uh, it was Chase Lucas, their cornerback, all-conference quarterback, and he was there with Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, and he said that they had been talking while they were there in Los Angeles that – you know, if Arizona State doesn't win the Pac-12 this year, they're never going to win it. So um, I thought that was interesting, and I thought maybe he was foreshadowing a little bit about where this might go. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're a talented group. I mean, just through the first week of practice, the defense, which returns all 11 starters, has looked outstanding. Now, granted, no one's in pads or anything, so, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, they, they have a lot of experience, a lot of guys, a lot of three- and four-year starters, and, and they've looked apart so far. Um, they have a, you know, four returning stars on the offensive line and one of the better quarterbacks in the conference and two good running backs. So they have a lot of pieces. So it could be a situation if they come out and you know get off to a good start. You know how these things work. Uh, you know the noise around the program kind of turns into excitement about you know how the team is playing. So I would say that would probably be, be the best case scenario for them. So we all know, Doug, when Herm got hired, that it was a controversial hire, and he didn't even know the school's nickname and all that stuff. Uh, and we all remember that. He was lambasted. And now it seems like, well, he's gotten a lot of praise. You strip away, it, they're 15 and 13, I think, uh, under his reign against Division One opponents and a couple of uh, big sky wins. You th- sort of throw them out. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm wondering, and he's kept a lot of games close, and that's the big thing where they only lose by one score, but the style of football that they play would dictate, by and large, that the game be close. But I'm wondering if you view, and people in the Valley view this as sort of a make or break, not necessarily a make or break, but he's got to have a breakout season this year. No, I mean, everything, this is his fourth year, and everything is kind of shaped into, I mean, everything is pointed to this year being the year that they really kind of make that huge step and, and contend instead of, you know, just finishing with, you know, seven win regular season, maybe an eighth win in a, during the, you can get an eighth win in the bowl. So, yeah, I, I think people have been waiting, and, you know, Todd Graham, who was here before, um, was, was very popular with the fan base. So, you know, when, when Hearn took over, it, it took him a while to kind of win over the fan base. He did. Um, if you've ever been around Herm Edwards, he's about as likable guy as you will find. And, uh, you know, it, I think people bought into it really quickly and were, they were willing to give, you know, to wait, you know, see where this goes. Recruiting picked up. Uh, but now, yeah, there's, there's no question. Uh, when they brought in Jaden Daniels as their quarterback, this was the year they kind of circled to say, like, this, all right, we could take a big step. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's time. It, it, it is time. I've said before that Arizona State is always next, next season university. It, it always seems like, like, okay, we'll be okay this year, but next year is our year. Um, I've covered this program for uh, over 10 years now, and it seems like that's always, <laughs> always what people are saying about Arizona State. So that time is here. Uh, and if you're an Arizona State fan, it's unfortunate that that time has come and you're in the middle of an NCAA event investigation that's affected your program. But, um, you know, it, they have everything in place 
seem to have everything in place. They're not the only school that, that has a lot of talent, a lot of returning t- uh, starters. But uh, I would say on paper, Arizona State looks to be in its, the best position it's been to contend in the Pac-12, and I've seen it in a while. Doug Haller joining us, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. Uh, are they worried at all about the Utes there? Are they worried about uh, USC? They're just worried about themselves. <laughs> I think they are worried about themselves. Uh, anybody who's not worried about Utah uh, is a fool, in my opinion, uh, because they, Kyle Winningham, um, one of the more underrated coaches in the country, always has his team uh, in position to play, and he, it's always a bad matchup, it seems, for Arizona State. And, of course, USC always has talent. It just seems like there's just something missing to bring that all together. So, yeah, I I would say that those two schools would be the one. Those those they would be the ones I would worry about. And, you know, I think everyone's always kind of wondering if Chip Kelly is going to get it together, or if this is the year that Chip Kelly gets it together. Uh, yeah, I would put USC and, and Utah at the top of my list for sure. So I saw you had a piece on trying to keep kids in state, and I grew up in Arizona, and I'm well aware of that, and I can sort of live with a quarterback from Arizona in the Valley going to Oregon, going to USC, going to Iowa State, going to Oklahoma, going to Ohio State, but Doug, I cannot live with a quarterback from the Valley going to West Virginia. That's out of it. That's over the top for me, and I've had enough of that, and I don't think that it's going to change, and my number one thing is I think the kids are just tired of how hot it is and they want to try something else. But losing a quarterback to West Virginia, that's got to be the topper. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was interesting. The story that you're talking about is something that we at the Athletic we've done through uh, several states is we just contact coaches in the state and ask them a series of questions, uh, and they're able to speak anonymously so they can be honest. Um, just about how their programs are recruited, in-state, out-of-state, uh, what works, what doesn't, and you know the Arizona, the Arizona narrative for a, a long time has been that they can't keep the top talent in their backyards. And the interesting part about that in relation to Arizona State is that you know the coaches I've talked to, I talked to eight, pretty much said that you know Arizona State when when Herm first got there uh, was really active, uh, trying to build relationships, and when it didn't immediately pay off, they just kind of shifted gears and directed their attention elsewhere, which, you know, players are players, talent is talent. Uh, you know, people have different opinions on that. But when, you know, one coach pointed out that, you know, Arizona, the state of Arizona could have, you know, possibly three guys in, in New York for, as Heisman finalists this year, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a bad look. I mean, people have pride and, you know, it's always weird to see, you know, your best players going and, and leading other countries to, or I'm sorry, other schools to the college football playoffs. So um, it, definitely interesting. Um, but yeah, that, that's been something that I think not only, you know, I was talking to Dennis Erickson a, a few months ago and, you know, he, he mentioned that he said that, you know, Arizona always had trouble. And I think you're right. I think the heat has a big, <laughs> is a big factor because, uh, you know, practicing at this time of year and, you know, 108, 109 degree heat is not fun for anybody. Anybody at Arizona State offering up any opinions of what the conference ought to do with realignment looming? Not really. Uh, I mean, there's been so much. I mean, to be honest, I think that question's only been asked once. Um, I haven't seen, you know, Ray Anderson was at media day, and I requested to talk to him, uh, the athletic director, and uh, was told he wanted to keep the focus on the, on the new commissioner and everything. So, I mean, you know, not, not a lot of people are making themselves available right now. Uh, for obvious reasons, um, I, I just think everyone's just kind of focused on 
you know, just the season and, and just, you know, trying to see what's next and get through this uh, the best they can. Yeah, we were down there broadcasting up on the uh, 12th floor. Uh, we always go down for media day and, and I have a mutual friend with uh, Ray Anderson. I went up and said hello to him and I think he was reluctant to say hi back. He seemed to be a little bit, uh, a little bit edgy when I approached him. I'm wondering, you know, he's the, the Herm is his hire, and there was some basketball issue with a booster or something, and Bobby Hurley's wife got involved and all that stuff. I, you probably know the details more than I do, but the point being for you, uh, what is the level of confidence in Ray Anderson being able to stay on the job at ASU? Uh, that's interesting. Uh, Ray is not only well-respected uh, at Arizona State, but he is well-respected within the conference. Um, you know, he's played a major role in certain things um, throughout the years. However, I mean, you're right. Brain on her, I think, somehow connected those two uh, because it was such an outside-the-box hire. And, you know, I think... You know, and then Ray is really, you know, Michael Crow is also, I think all three are, are connected. I don't think, you know, I'm not suggesting that this could pull all three of them down. That's not the case. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not a good time for him. And a lot of people are just wondering who all who all knew about this. Um, you know, and, and we've reported that at least, you know, the number two guy in command in the athletic department, Gene Boyd, was aware, uh, or at least made aware that there might be some shadiness going on in the football in the football coaching offices. So um, I don't know how much that protects Ray or how much that protects Firm. I don't know, but you know, it seems like to me just starting off um, by you know starting at the lower levels and getting rid of three of the lower guys on the, on you know on the on the staff coaching chart. Um, you know, they're they're working from the bottom up. I, I, you know, I'm not suggesting it'll get to as high as even Antonio Pierce, the defensive coordinator. But you know, I think it's a, it's not an interesting strategy. I think it was probably the strategy that everyone guessed they would go. Uh, but you know, people do have some questions about Ray. You know, especially with Herm being his guy, and then you mentioned the the booster and the and, the, and Bobby Hurley's wife. Um, you know, and how he handled that wasn't probably the best. So um, it's been it's definitely been an interesting couple of years here. Well, Doug, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, I appreciate you having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the season getting started. Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Two and things. Number one, Kyle's underrated. Every guy says that. <laughs> he's so underrated that he's the most overrated. <laughs> you can't be underrated if everybody says you're underrated. <laughs> That's got to be an outlier opinion. Like, ooh, everyone's rating. But right. if everyone says you're underrated, then everyone agrees on how you're rated. So you're not underrated. <laughs> Crazily enough, I follow you. <laughs> Odds were against it, and yet it happened. And, and I have been beating that train now for how long? Everybody loves this said, guy. Yeah, and as soon as Doug said that, I looked at PK and arched the eyebrows, <laughs> tilted head like, he's underrated. <laughs> Kyle Woodingham gets so much love and respect. Now, it's all earned, so I have no problem with it, but they keep saying it's underrated. If he were in Los Angeles, 
he would be the greatest thing. But because he's in little old Utah in Dicky Salt Lake City doing what he does, well, he's got to be underrated. Like the old story I told 20 some years ago, Van Horn sitting there the day before that he was going to go number two in the draft. And everybody knew he was going to go number two in the draft. So did it bug you that you weren't recruited by big time schools? I was recruited by big time schools. But because he went to Utah, they just assumed that he wasn't. If there was ever a dude who was made to work and live in Utah, it's me. Because you're underrated. (laughs) Always the little guy. When you're not really the little guy. Whittingham's a stud football coach, but everybody outside of here thinks he's underrated. (laughs) Drives me nuts. So that's number one. So how much can that be duplicated, though? How much should other coaches look at Kyle and think, well, look how that guy built his image. What have I got to do? Win. How much can I copy? Win. And? It's not just winning. Yeah, but you, you, I don't know, you You can copy having an eye for your 17 and I see you at 22. How do you have an eye for that? Not everybody has the eye for that. But it's not just the winning. It's winning where it used to be a non-BCS school, and now it's become Right, because five. he has the eye to develop talent. And so also, he's underrated because he's not getting a bunch of five-star guys, because then he wouldn't be underrated. Well, he's not underrated. He's just not <laughs> underrated. He's not underrated. You but you want that perception. And Well, he's, he doesn't care now, but uh, not Grant, that he ever cared. But a coach, but, but a coach at 40 or 45 would care. Because some people win nine wins and they can't, they, they average nine wins, and they can't win the big one. And other people win nine and how do you do it? He's underrated. Well, you have to, you have to be in a place like the, that is viewed as the a bunch of people with yeah. horns coming out of your head and you're eight hours away from Colorado Everything. and six Everything. hours away from Vegas and so yeah. forth and so on. So you're locked in there in the middle of nowhere. Meanwhile, most folks who live here love living here and they want to be locked here by choice. So they don't know. this. It's, it's, it's the Ryan Smith thing. This is a, a great place in the Kevin O'Connor. And if you, and if you just would open your eyes, You'll see it. And most folks, when they get here, their eyes are wide open and they see it. So we all know because we're here. And they don't know that this is a place that you want to be football-wise because we talk about it year-round. And they don't talk about it in most most of the Pac-12 places, cities. They're off the radar. The only time you're talking about it is if it's like ASU's going to get some run now, but it's going to be negative because they keep dropping coaches. There's so many NFL teams and Pac-12 markets. Yeah. Not to mention Major League Baseball and NBA. And we just, on and on. Yeah, we just have the one. Yeah, and that plays into come here, and you'll be big. You'll be big time, and you'll be packed, and right. everybody will love you here, and all that stuff. So they don't understand that because they're not here. In the way that people don't understand, Doug Howler, I said, "What about the heat?" Yeah, I think it's a significant reason why because he's lived there for many years. And you asked Yogi Roth, the foremost uh, Pac-12 authority, I believe, legitimately. I say that sincerely, and you asked, "No, no, I don't think about it because he lives in Venice." <laughs> I'm feeling ocean breeze. I don't know what you yeah, people are thinking about. Yeah. The, more, the marine layer didn't burn off till 10.30 this morning. Yeah. And if it gets 80, it's hot. If it's 80, you know what's 80? Oh, yeah. That's called uh, October at 3 in the morning. 
in that story Doug had, there were a lot of things in there, but he did have one of the high school coaches say, and they had eight anonymous high school coaches from different parts of the Valley. And one of them said, well, we just finished practice and it was 109 degrees. Yeah. I think some guys want to get away from well, that. Most do. Believe me, it now, sucks. Not every coach went to that, but that one coach, anonymous, whoever the heck he was, I mean, he went right to... he was probably a long-time coach. 109. <laughs> the other guys were new. Yeah. So that's the one thing I wanted to bring up. The second thing I wanted to bring up, Ray Anderson, the athletic director, who graduated from Harvard Law School. I think he played football and baseball at Stanford. Uh, I have to double check that, but he's a Stanford guy, and I know he graduated Harvard and all that stuff. Uh, highly, highly accomplished, without question. I just wanted to let you know that his wife's name is Buffy. That's it? Yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything, but... <laughs> well, that's, isn't that... That's kind of cool. His wife's name is Buffy. Do you know any Buffys? Outside of the Vampire Slayer? That's where it's going to go. <laughs> I know a TV uh, there show. Was a, there was another TV character, though, like back in the... <laughs> 60s. I don't know what show it was. The 60s? And you're yeah. pointing at me asking if I know? Yeah, because yeah, you watch old TV shows with your <laughs> parents and your grandparents. You. Uh, you know this stuff. Uh, I, the only one I know is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> There's another one. Who? Or what? Uh, I'm struggling now. Um, I'll have to. I'll I'll dig it up during the break. It'll give me something to do during the break. It's I, I don't a know. Television I show a character, but not a real person. Yeah, there were two kids. It might have been a single dad or something in the '60s. I don't know. I can't. I, I'm not old enough to remember that stuff, but I see him in reruns later oh, on, yeah, 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 and it just yeah. didn't do it for me. So I saw five or whatever. Somebody in Buffy, TV characters named Buffy. Oh, of course. Everybody knows that. Family Affair, Jody and Buffy. Yes, there it is. <laughs> Family Affair. They did that stupid kaleidoscope open. Yeah, I don't like that show. <laughs> My brother's trying to watch it. Turn the channel. There's a game on. Come on. I'll watch that. All right, DJ. That was a good poll by you. Family Affair, though. Well done. All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show, aside from that bit of nonsense, next. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in The Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on The Zone Sports Network. You Shasta trailer tweeting at us, family affair with Brian Keith. Yes, it was Jody and Buffy, but don't forget that the older sister was Sissy. So I'll see your Buffy and raise you a Sissy. I have no knowledge of the characters. <laughs> the only reason why I knew that is because I read somewhere the Jody kid went to BYU. Aha, and the I local s- tie. Yeah, and I must have seen it somewhere along the line here locally. His name is Johnny Whitaker. He's 61 years of age. He had some addiction issues and became a counselor. And I'm looking at a story that uh, was published in the L.A. Daily News in uh, 2015. 
2015, I think. And it talks about Whitaker as a certified counselor at the Tarzana Treatment Centers and a leader in other San Fernando Valley-based anti-substance abuse organizations. So this was obviously six years ago, but uh, he was a child actor, went to BYU uh, and lives uh, in Santa Clarita. Well, um, five, six years ago he did anyway. And so he was doing great work in the addiction business. And so uh, I remember reading the story about that and how he went to BYU and he went on a Mormon mission to Portugal and graduated from BYU. That's a heck of a life story right there. He married a woman from Reseda, which is in the Valley, San Fernando Valley also. Uh, And then he got divorced and quoting him, I decided to go to the dark side. Uh, So, and he abused drugs and blah, 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 and had all sorts of issues there, uh, but came out of it uh, and became this this counselor, which is obviously good news there. And I remember hearing and reading the story, and that's, I don't remember ever watching the show, Sissy, I have zero knowledge of Sissy. Although I do have a sissy in my life, but that's another story. And that's <laughs> All right. a wild story that people would be stunned if they knew the truth about. Uh, famous uh, people named Buffy. You you dared people, and now here they go. Everybody's Google searching and sending this stuff. Are you ready? Ray <laughs> Anderson's wife, the athletic director at Arizona State, who was an NFL guy for a number okay, of I don't, years. I don't want to go. His through, wife's name's Buffy. I don't want to go through all these people I've never heard of in that. But Buffy Wicks, California State Assembly member. So there's a politician named Buffy. Buffy Tyler, Playboy playmate. Oh, Buffy Tyler. Yeah, June '72. Born in 1978, so that would not, <laughs> that math would not work. Uh, Buffy Gilmore, the main character in Scary Movie. Some of you like Scary Movie. Uh, Buffy, the sister-in-law of Mike Motley in the comic strip Motley's Crew. And last one, and then I'm done with this. I know they're going to keep coming, though. Uh, Dorothy Chandler of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, Los oh, Angeles Los cultural yeah, leader, yeah, yeah, yeah. nicknamed Buffy. Oh, yeah, but nicknamed Buffy. Well, I guess... I don't People may not have said, hey, Dorothy. They may have said, hey, I mean, Buffy. in tender moments, I call you Buffy. That no, doesn't really geez, count. Geez. <laughs> also, Buffy is Russian President Vladimir Putin's dog. All right, and we're done. <laughs> we got the Putin's dog. We're done, people. <laughs> well, how do you say Buffy in Russian, though? I have no idea. <laughs> that is uh, something you can back. do after 10 o'clock. All right, let's get people up to date on the parts of the show that really mattered. That you found interesting. Jeff Garcia, Spurs, uh, digital journalist for a KENS5 and host of Locked On Spurs. He covers the Spurs. He thinks Rudy Gay's got something left in the tank. He thinks he can defend the three, the four, and the five. He says those wild, and you specifically asked about this, these wild swings in his three-point percentage, he says are largely a product of the team, his teammates, and the system. He thinks he'll shoot it fine here into the club that spreads the floor and you know, they got to defend Gobert against the alley oop, and they got to defend Mitchell, and Gale get his open shots, and he'll make them. Well, he's due for a bad season because he went like 41, oh, yeah, 40, yeah. 31, a, 38. It's an odd even thing. It's six <laughs> years. It's literally every other year for six, four years, I guess, in San Antonio. I'm excited six. to see what he can do here because he's a proven commodity in the NBA. How much does he have left? That's the only issue. If he's got enough left, then he's going to be a good player because he's been a good player for a number of years. Some points on lesser teams, he's been uh, the main guy or the second guy in the 
rotation as far as scoring and all that stuff. So he's got some ability, and he's coming in here. I saw it so many years living in Los Angeles in the 80s that they would bring in uh, a Michael Thompson-type player, and there were other players too. I'm trying to think of them, and their names are escaping me. But they bring in veteran dudes, and they would just need them to do what they do, but they wouldn't need them to do it for 40 minutes or so. And so is that what Rudy Gay is capable of accomplishing? I think he is, and that will give them something that they can count on. And then so it looks, it looks like on paper anyway that the additions that these guys made are good. Whether it translates into the season, well, that's going to be, one of the fun parts, and there's many fun parts to follow the team through in the course of an 82-game season that starts when the weather's good and ends when the weather's good, and the majority of them is when it's played when the weather's crappy. So it's such a long season in the NBA that it could it could end in uh, in the summer or close to it. You know, when is it going to end? So it's a great storyline, a great plot that obviously will follow to the nth most degree. Well, Jeff's take was that. Rudy will be good this year. He was not convinced that three years was a great idea. But hey, if you get the year or two you need up front, then the third year, it goes back to Kevin O'Connor's theory, you have to overpay free agents. It's competitive for these guys, and that's, in this case, how you overpay a guy at the end of his career. You've got salary cap luxury tax issues now, but you give them a third year. And the way we've seen contracts move, remember when there was a time when they, people would say, and it was true, well, that, that contract isn't tradable. They're just going to have to live with that, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an anchor. That was wrong. Not anymore. It was true at the time, I think. But now, we've seen Chris Paul traded twice on a massive contract. Westbrook, Westbrook got yeah. traded on a massive contract. Harden got moved on a massive contract. He's better, so maybe that's a little easier to understand. But, man, Paul had a massive positive impact on Phoenix. That's why so. I've always signed uh, company contract friendly deals. Oh yeah? Yeah. So you're tradable? Yeah, so if they you know they want to move me, they can. I, and I've never wanted to strap, because I wanted you guys to be able to get paid too. Mm-hmm. Team player. What a guy. Let's have a conversation after the show. Okay. <laughs> Yuck. Absolutely. Yuck wants a raise. Well, not Tuesdays. Tomorrow I can do it. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> Question of the day, and a lot of people have been uh, debating this, and the answers range from Jeff, who's 100%. Mike Conley says he's working on the hammy issues in hopes of being fully healthy. What's your confidence level? Jeff, 100%. He clearly thinks the offseason will clear up whatever the problems were. And then you got David. It's a scale of 1 to 10. I'm about a 2. A 2? He's played in two of the three playoff series. I get... He missed a playoff series, then they lost, and it was a massive disappointment. But he's played in two of three playoff series, so a two seems a little on the low end, David. Yeah, they're paying him a ton of money, so they've got to have confidence in it that he's going to be able to be healthy and be available. Well, he doesn't have a full offseason, but he has a fuller offseason to get healthy. Now, I think you could argue, well, there was four months of stoppage before the playoffs. But we're in lockdown. Yep. But he got healthy enough for the playoffs. And then there was a, for the Jazz, there would have been, what, another three months? Two, Just, two months. The only thing I ask of Mike is to time the conception. Oh, going back to the playoffs a year ago. Yeah. Well, he didn't know the playoffs were going to be delayed into the fall. Oh, I know. I'm not criticizing yeah, you Yeah, that, that one was timed. But now you know. <laughs> so plan around it. Also, we had on Doug Haller, Arizona State writer for The Athletic. 
level of concern for Sun Devil fans. Oh, it's high. Although I do think this year high long they're going to be okay. It's high long term. Well, not next season. Subsequent seasons. They're going to have to clean this up somehow. I mean, you could say, oh, and, he, and I know what he realizes, what he has to say. This is just an allegation. Well, you don't suspend three coaches for just an allegation. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, Todd Graham was popular and all that. And I think that the one year that Kirk Herbstreet, because he had the two 10 win seasons and they had the best Tuesday practice ever. And, and the best Wednesday practice ever. And the best. And they went into that practice. third season after two uh, consecutive 10 win seasons had been the first since Frank Cush. Although it was a little bit misleading because they play more games uh, than they used to. But, and I think Herb Street picked him, and I, I could be off on this, but I think I'm correct on the timing that Herb Street picked him to go to the playoffs. Like, I mean, and they finished six and seven. And I think right before, like a week or two before the start of the season, Graham had to suspend his son, who was the running's back, running back's coach. And I think the story goes because there was some messing around with a student there on something or other. You're correct. And so with that in mind, little that, that so this distraction as far as the timing is bigger than that. And the timing is basically the same, same, give or take a week or two. And now it's three coaches instead of one. That's massive. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard this and the, happen. In the long term, right? I don't I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Someone can find something and send us to it, you know, we'll pass it along. But yeah. I just think this has to be a massive hit on recruiting. This but that's is, what I'm saying. There are so but not many, now. Right. It doesn't impact that wouldn't impact this year's team. No. But how it impacts the class uh, the signing oh, date in December. Would, I would think there would be a major the, impact. Yeah, it'd be huge. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I would think that would be a significant hit to the program. I don't I don't I can't deny and it. And they need to on the one hand, this could drag out the way Arizona basketball did. Arizona basketball got to the resolution that we all thought was coming, but did it play out over two years or three? Oh, it was three. Yeah. But ASU football can't really afford that in recruiting. That'll no, be a huge hit much this bigger numbers on. game. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I so mean, they these do are dark times. I don't, I don't deny that. Get along with it. Yeah. And, and well, the big thing now, you can get rid of those other guys. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal in coaching. Uh yeah, I know that they're position coaches, but these guys change. Position coaches change every freaking year to one degree or another. So if if you have the same position coach all four or five years, that's unusual. Yeah. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But if they go after Pierce, then that's a massive deal. He's the D coordinator. He's the heir apparent. The he runs the show in a lot of ways. So if they if they have to suspend him, if this gets him, to him, then it's him. And then the, yeah, and that's just one step away from Herm. And I would think at that point they would be cleaning house uh, sooner rather than later if it goes all the way up. But I do think that these guys on the team this year, this actually can bond them a little bit and say, hey, let's, we didn't come back for 2022. So, and all of us are playing for our NFL stock. So go out there and ball. If you don't want to worry about the team, worry about yourself. And you can get away with that in football to an extent. Or it could be, well, they, they, BYU beats them up here and they lose an early conference game. 
And let's just pack UCLA. it in and get, get this over UCLA with. is an early conference game. They've lost two out of three to those guys. I mean, Herm is a world beater, and but he can't beat them consistently. And he's 0-2 against Colorado. So they weren't that good to begin with, really. <laughs> so are they 5-0 and coming to Utah, or are they 3-2? and We're 2-3. and yeah. Any number of uh, things can go in there. I like their chances to beat SUU. Other than that, you know, we'll see. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. Feedback of the day is brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs for free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. A lot of people responding to... The question, Mike Conley, he's working on the hammy issues in hopes of being fully healthy. What's your confidence level? Trevor says, I think the team can and will do better with load management. He isn't going to find a time machine and go back to being 25, but the team can strategically rest him to be ready for the playoffs. Also, that was a condensed season. I'm stoked he resigned. Stoked. He's fired up. He's ready Stokage. to go. Yeah. Jay Hadley says, Michael, get it figured. I won't be surprised if the Jazz exercise some load management this season. I honestly think they should. we got to come up with a better phrase than load, load management. management. I just don't like load management. Based on what Mike said and what he's added, the yoga and the stretching, he will be good to go. Harold, right. fully confident. Oh, when you do yoga? You should see me. When I put on my yoga pants and I go down to the gym... It's like a freaking crowd comes out. <laughs> Yuck, that was an awesome face. That face should be a meme. When you see me in my yoga pants, I, I mean, it's one of the finer sights. If you could not use the phrase, see me in my yoga pants again, I think everybody would thank you. So you want to see me without my yoga pants? Blue jeans. <laughs> this just got worse. Blue jeans. What are you, Reverend Blue Jeans? <laughs> In this case, absolutely. I've just examined blue all jeans. I've examined all my options. You want me to put on my dungarees too? <laughs> <laughs> Your dungarees. I look hot in leather. What can I say? <laughs> my blue jeans? Reverend Blue Jeans. <laughs> Sex sells, PK. Which is why I haven't heard sells, that one PK. in a long time. Which is why I that's am why a you marketable went to, commodity. That's why you went to the yoga pants. Sex sells. I mean, when I go and have my yoga pants, let me just say, there's more than one female that says, PK, take it off, baby. PK, take it off, baby. Again. <laughs> Jeremy checks calendar. Not worried. Robert, Robert says, age is not your friend. <laughs> He's got a meme from the end of uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan where they do the, the, the morphing and uh, Damon turns into the older actor who plays him at the uh, cemetery at the end of the movie. <laughs> That's a little brutal. It is, I agree. <laughs> Just going from 20, 25 to 75. All right, DJ and PK. We're all done. Hands to Scott here up next. We will see you tomorrow.